Welcome back to the BMX in our blood. Black coffee by Black Flag. How appropriate for this interview with Steve Crandall, part two. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did recording it and spending time with Steve. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, FBM, and just all the all the stoke that that Steve and the crew give all of us and give back to BMX. So, another side note, I wanted to make sure you all catch the latest Scotty Kramer YouTube post, which was yesterday. That would have been the 30th of June. He does a really nice intro about the K-Rob Find Your Fight Jam that I'm organizing and, and he is a big part of as well. So uh, check it out. It's a it's really it's really cool. You get to see a little bit of a, what him and Trey Jones are making for the obstacle course that they're going to have at the event. So anyway, enjoy part two, Steve Crandall's, and look forward to Matt Coplin next week, where it's a uh, it's a student teacher thing. I'm not telling you which way it goes. Have a great week. Thank you all for supporting the show. Appreciate it. here we go we're back part two with Steve Crandall we'll pick it right back up so Steve you had mentioned we're gonna finish uh, just just a couple more things you had mentioned about I'm gonna quote you on a post that you put up recently this kind of touches on something we just finished with on part one but um, you had said that you still feel overwhelmed with the uncertainty of growing up, and you posted that um, it was it's it may be somewhat out of context. Context, so I apologize. But uh, it was on the tag anniversary, and it, it, do you remember that post? I don't remember exactly what I said. Okay. But I do try to celebrate who he was and what he means to all of us mm-hmm. whenever it's appropriate. I keep I keep him I keep the spirit of what what he is to us alive the best I can by like sharing my feelings and like some of the stories and memories that we all have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the best I can do to like you know try to honor you know how important he he is and was to FBM and our our you know our friend group. Mm-hmm. But also like I think like when I'm like being uncertain maybe that's what I was getting at I don't remember exactly but it's like mm-hmm. when I'm unsure and uncertain it's like I think like you know what would Tag have done in this situation and I try to like you know be brave be tough you know try to be like on point the best I can because it's like I don't want to be like slacking you know like sure you know and he's he always like I was saying like he always motivated us to like you know do the best we could whether it was like you know 
in in whatever context. Sure. So like, I'm still like, you know, I'm still like that unsure, uncertain kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like insecure. Like, feel vulnerable sometimes. And like, you know, like you know, a lot of us looked to you know the people that we thought were, you know, stronger and like could support like our own insecurities and like shortcomings as like kids trying to find their way. And like you know, that was one of the things that I. I I lost when Tag passed away was like, you know, that like, that pillar of strength in somebody that I looked up to and admired, but also shared my life with. So now, you know, I do my best to like honor the the good parts of who he was in the way that I carry myself. I try not to take the cheap, easy way out of like, you know, life challenges and like, you know, I try to ride my bike more and like find more value take my time and appreciate the things that like I'm lucky enough to experience whether it's like travel or bike riding or the friends that I still have and like the opportunities that like we've created with FBM because like you know there's it's it's finite you know you never know what the fuck's gonna happen no so you don't I don't know if that answers that question but yeah I mean it's it's tough because I I may have taken that uh, I don't remember a little out of so I I talk a lot of shit so Well, the uncertainty of growing up, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I still, even though I'm, I'm not young, I still feel young. And, you know, I, I still think in terms of, am I really doing what I want to do the rest of my life, well, yeah, you know, and, you know, and all I that think, kind of thing. I think society, like, has kind of taught us, like, hey, you know, you're supposed to do these things to, sure. like, define your value in, mm-hmm. and that's bullshit, you know, like, for me. Right. For, I can't say what it is for anyone else, but it was mm-hmm. like... I definitely, you know, my mom always, like, refers back to, like, that Robert Frost poem, you know, like, taking the path less taken, or however the fuck it goes. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, like, you know, we took our own path, and I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, some of that uncertainty is that there wasn't a handbook. Like, I didn't have a mentor. I had people that were influences and, like, inspired me. But there wasn't like a, hey, you know, what what happens, you know, there was no safety net for going on your own, going your own way, you know, it was like, well, now what? And, but as friends, we figured it out and we worked through everything and we became who we are. Sure. As, you know, I don't want to say grownups because I don't want to grow up. Right. But it's like, we become older BMXers, you know, going through all that, you know, through our uncertainties, like without a handbook and like we didn't know what was going to happen you know and we didn't know what was supposed to happen we didn't even know what we wanted to do mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times we knew what we didn't want to do and we used that to kind of like help us navigate through this weird world but still like I'm 43 years old like I don't have a normal life by most measures so like I'm still like, well, shit, what am I doing with myself? You know, there, like, there you go. That That's it. That's the quote that you said, you know, and, and it's like, and I think that's okay, by the way. I, well, I don't think there's a problem. With that. No, but it's like, there's no one telling you that that's okay. There's people telling you you're supposed to have, you know, this kind of job, this kind of security, like a home, a family, you know, you know, insurmountable debt and like smothering, mm-hmm. crushing, soul sucking, like, you know, right. shit in your life. And it's like, right. no one's like, oh yeah, you could just ride bikes and right. go on trips and like paint coffee cups. Like, 
No one ever said that to me. I never knew that that's what I would end up doing. Sure. You know, like what, who you become and what you do is always a far cry from what you imagine when you're younger. Right. And as it's like unfolding in front of your eyes, it's like, that's, there's all, it's just flooded with uncertainty and like, yeah. You know, I never, I always hoped that we would do cool shit. I never imagined it would be, you know, I'd be sessioning, you know, some jumps today with, you know, riders from all different parts of the country, like together for an afternoon, just on a Friday afternoon. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, and I'm, and like, we were all riding bikes made at FBM. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, yeah, I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that it, life would have unfolded this way. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome. Like, um, it's like, it's hard. Like, I don't have, I don't have it easy. Right. But I do. You know, like, sure. sometimes I'm like, get down on myself because it's like, you know, I'm poor and like, I have, you know, very modest means. Mm-hmm. But I have good friends and I get to ride my bike and I get to travel and I, I, you know, I zoom out a little bit and I'm like, I'm pretty goddamn lucky. Like, I might not be able to afford to go to a doctor and my, I need some new pants. but but hey you know like i get to do some cool shit and like i can't discount that you know like you know everything comes at a cost you know it's like i don't have a lot of money but i have a lot of freedom from the things that require money Mm -hmm. that like would stop other people from being able to enjoy their lives it's like all right you know like i live in the school bus it's cheap you know it's like it's a choice but it's also economics it's like if i need less money to get by then I have a little bit more leeway with what I choose to do and sure. how I choose to like structure my life this is another version of Garrett Burns you know is it it, well, you it know, really is we I grew mean, up in a lot of ways like incongruent lifestyles mm-hmm. you know like it's slightly different but the point the point is the same he he's not going to live his life working 12 months out of the year he's going to he's going to earn enough money and take a break and go do something that he really wants well, to do I th- I think and then he'll go back to work and he'll rebuild his account and yeah. i think we all influenced each other whether we realized it enough like all growing up in like for us the golden era of bmx it's it's not the young kids golden era of bmx that's they're in their own golden era but right, we all grew right. up in in our golden era of bmx mm-hmm. influencing each other so of course we're going to have like similar understandings and characteristics and like value systems whereas like what's valuable to us is our time and our people and our experiences mm-hmm. where it's you know maybe not so much material things or status related things it's like yeah I want to like I want to live I don't want to own stuff right. you know there's an old saying that like where I come from where it's like the more stuff you own, the more stuff owns you. And it like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a lot of resonance in that for me. It was like, you know, we used to grew up listening to punk rock albums and like that Fugazi song. It's like, you are not what you own, you know? And it's like, you know, being influenced by this underground culture and music and art where it was like a different value system. And that was pretty cool, you know, like for me and like, and like, you know, we all shared a lot of like the same times and, you know, experiences even if we didn't live or grow up in the same places, like we all traveled the BMX circuit together. Sure. That's pretty cool. It is. We didn't realize it. I don't think even until after the fact, like I might not even just realize it till now, (laughs) but we were all like, you know, and it was, it wasn't like we all went to the same nationals at races. We went to the same parking lot to the Mm -hmm. same warehouses or, 
you know, all these like very like offbeat scenarios. Yeah. Where we were all really lucky to have been able to experience it, you know, like that's rad. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you tell me that like there's something that I do that's similar to Garrett Burns, that is a wild compliment for me. You know, someone I look up to and admire with like the utmost respect as a rider, just as a ride on dude, as a father, as like a part of our community, like Garrett is held in high esteem. And like to even just be mentioned in the same conversation as that dude, that's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll take that. That's mm-hmm. cool, man. Yeah. You know, he gets it. There's no doubt he gets it. You know, like that dude, you know, I just remember riding with that dude. I'll never forget it. Like, riding with that dude in a ditch in Austin, Texas. And, you know, it's like, all right, cool. I think, you know, maybe it was like Stu Johnson and Gilly and like maybe like Ruben Alicantara was there or something like that. And maybe Sandy Carson. Uh huh. And uh, we're just riding to this spot and Garrett just picks up a wheelie through a pile of broken glass and. You know, everyone's first thought to be like, oh, swerve for the glass. And he's just like, right. I don't give a fuck. And yeah. it rolls right through the glass. Like, that was like, even just that, like, kind of like seemingly, you know, just silly, irreverent moment. Right. It was like, ah, oh, that dude is badass. Like, it's a statement. It was like, yeah, he was like, I want to do what I want to do. Right. And I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm going to accept the responsibility for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But even though this is completely absurd, I'm going to ride through <laughs> this pile of glass. And, but that was like, that was just like a statement of like, hi, I'm Garrett Burns. I'm going to do whatever I want. Sure. I'm going to do it my way. And I was like, all right, well, you're going to end up fixing a flat tire later. Yeah. But it was like, I'm doing it. I'll do that. I'll fix a flat tire if I have to. And so I'm going to ride through this pile of glass. And it hasn't I don't know what any of that means, me. but yeah. I remember... I just remembering like witnessing that like probably like just such a marginal event but it was like god that was cool he just didn't give a shit about that broken glass yeah. everyone else is avoiding the broken glass and he's like I'm gonna go right through it and I don't think he got a flat tire <laughs> which which I'm sure he I probably also got the flat. I probably swerved and <laughs> hit a different pile of glass and got a flat man He's been that way for a long time, and good for him because yeah. that's I'm sure. I think he is one of the people, for for me and in my interpretation of BMX, like mm-hmm. he illustrates what I think is some of the most important defining characteristics of what BMX is, and I think that's you know he he's in a small group of people that are like enigmatic, iconic, and like just hugely influential and unintentional. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't set out to become Garrett Burns. He just has always been Garrett Burns. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's not a lot of people that can say that. There are a lot of people with a lot of ambitions and a lot of, like, you know, a lot of talent and very cool people, but they can't, they're not Garrett Burns. Right. And it's like, you know, that's, and that's, that in, its, in and of itself is, like, unique. Yeah. Do you find it, it's any, any, uh, somewhat of a, coincidence or or otherwise that some of the coolest guys I've I've met like Garrett yourself Matt Coplin uh Scott Town they're all they're all sober um and and I I hesitate to say that because I'm not I'm not uh I don't I don't know if sober has anything to do with it but I think all of us 
have shared a certain amount of similar understandings, mm-hmm. which I don't I don't know how to answer that question. So mm-hmm. I don't know if sober has anything to do with it. But I think because we're all sober right now, we're able to relate on certain levels and like share a frequency that maybe other people aren't on right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that answers the question. That might be a little out of my depth. But if I'm in their company, like I said, like those are some people that I, I I'm lucky to call friends and I really respect and admire. Mm-hmm. And it's like very cool to be included in any kind of like conversation with their names. You know, like those sure. dudes are like right on, super right on people. Yeah. Yeah. And all like in their own way, like very key influencers in BMX. You mm-hmm. know, like whether people realize it or not, you know, they all are very important, I think. They are. They definitely But I don't are. know if drinking or not drinking or whatever has anything to do with it, but... Oh, you know. maybe, maybe it's just a coincidence. I just think it's a cool coincidence. Yeah. And, and I... I mean, and... I like it. I think I think more people drink than than, than don't drink. Mm-hmm. So if, like, somebody can find some sort of, like, you know, positive message and being like, oh, you can do cool shit and you don't have to be partying all the time... Mm-hmm. Then maybe that's cool, but at the same time, if like, if you want to have beers and do whatever, then I'm not. I don't think any one of us are, are in a position or would judge people for how they choose to live their lives. Maybe in the capacity of observing and caring about our friends, but not in like what's appropriate for how anyone should live their lives. Right. Yeah, I have. I have definitely noticed that there's no. There's no judgment among any of any of. Uh, Sometimes I'll be four. like, "You dipshits are hammered again. We haven't <laughs> even gone. We haven't even done the shit we were here to do." And they'll be like, "Oh, sorry, Dad." And I'm like, "Come on." <laughs> so maybe you're the only one. I don't know. But uh, one of the cool things, though, about sobering up, and like I'll move on from this afterwards. It's like sure. there's been BMXers that have influenced me and helped me you know, have the courage to put down the bottle and sober up and clean up and, like, tighten up my life. Mm -hmm. So it's cool on some level that I've been able to help people, you know, deal with some of the things that they needed to, like, try to deal with. And, like, people have reached out to me and said, hey, it's cool that you're sober. I've been sober for eight months now or eight years or eight days or, hey, I'm thinking about quitting drinking like do you have any advice and you know it's it's cool to be able to offer some kind of like positive like support for people that want to do something mm-hmm. that they think is like you know something that's going to make their lives better and like sure like i said i don't have any you know people want to smoke weed and snort cocaine and drink beer all fucking night for the rest of their lives i you know i hope you're stoked you know i don't care don't you know, I, right. I, I shouldn't say I don't care. Right, I'm sure. I'm not upset or judging anybody if they want to party their lives away. And that sounds weird too. Party your lives away. That's That sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. People that don't live the same way that I do, I don't want them to think that because I don't drink that I think less of them or I'm judging them and how they live. What I do is only appropriate for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And if somebody else has a different approach to the way they want to live, I have no business judging them or you know trying to influence them except for what they want to be influenced by with me you know and like 
what anyone else is doing and what anyone else thinks like of me or about me or what I think of them, it's none of my business. You know, it's like people are entitled to their own choices, their own, you know, they're free to do and live however they want. And I don't want anyone, I don't want to give the impression that because I'm doing something that they're not, that it's like what I'm doing is better or more important. It's just, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And like, you don't give that impression and neither does Garrett and neither does Matt and neither does I just want people to be as stoked as they can be and like make the best out of whatever they have going on you know sure and if that's like completely something that I don't relate to right now then Mm -hmm. that's that's fine you know that's cool Mm -hmm. but you know like some of my friends are like they're like hey you know like that's cool you quit drinking I didn't know that like we could do this and I didn't know that I could sober up, like, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, like, if you ever need to talk, hit me up, dude. Or, like, if I need to talk, like, I'll, you know, Scott Town, I'll, you know, shoot sure. him up and be like, hey, man, you ever, like, you ever wake up with a ghost hangover? And he's like, oh, dude. <laughs> or you ever just, like, wake up from a dream where you got hammered and you all of a sudden have this, like, this guilt like you did something bad he's like oh dude or just like you know like it's just force a habit you're like oh I want to have a beer like some days I'm like I find myself wanting to get fucking hammered Uh because beer drinking was fun and I romanticize a lot of like the good times that I had drinking but you know I forget that like oh yeah like you felt terrible and then you couldn't ride the next day or you did something totally regrettable and like you've you know compromise your own morality and it's like Mm -hmm. I don't think about that shit and then I'll just think about like oh we had so much fun and like sometimes we really did but other times I was like oh man I kind of wish I'd handled myself differently sure so moving on yeah (laughs) I I like it I definitely like it um so I wanted to ask you how did the uh oh wait a minute you talked with me this morning about a, a, a roll-in epiphany. You were on a roll-in. You had an epiphany. It was an early in the morning. And this may tie into something, we're, to some of the things we're talking about now, but um, uh, you said it was 7 in the morning. You were about to roll in and ride. And you uh, said something along the lines of, why did I do it? I'm trying to remember the so, conversation. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, okay. Because it was important, and there was a reason why I made that note. So... It's not, it's never been a secret that FBM has, you know, we've always done things the hard way. We've never made it easy for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, like, sometimes we're on the ropes, you know, like, whether it's, like, our own ability to, like, function as individuals within the company Mm -hmm. or just, like, being in business. Like, sometimes we're, like, almost out of business and, like, like, people probably don't realize this, but since FBM's been around for 25 years, I've only been, I've only taken a paycheck from FBM about half that time. And for the last five years, I haven't drawn a paycheck from FBM. I've changed my lifestyle to be as affordable as possible. And I work outside gigs to, you know, bring an income that I live off of. And I reinvest all my paychecks back in FBM to try to like keep us and Mike, the other owner, does the same thing. You know, we've been doing this for five years. And for five years, we've been cutting our teeth trying to stay in business in, you know, a changing economy and a changing world. And as, like, BMXers that are getting a little older and changing times. And uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, we accept full responsibility for how we choose to do things, but a, a lot of companies are based on high margins and maybe sometimes low quality. Mm-hmm. And some of our business model, you know, is high quality, which sometimes give us low margins, which means we don't have a lot of money to work with. And like sometimes, and a few times especially, I was like, man, this could be it. This could be the end of like the dream. Like we could be like, and this mm-hmm. winter was really tough. We were like eBaying stuff from our like archive yeah, right. to make ends meet, you know, and that's kind of been the FBM way, like whatever you got to do to make ends meet. But it was like, on some levels, I'm like, hey, you know, we, we, we set out to do this thing and we've accomplished a lot of like our goals and we've developed new goals along the way and we've accomplished those and, you know, we've really done a lot of cool stuff. So I'm like, all right, you know, like if it stops someday, then I feel good about what we've contributed to BMX and what we've accomplished as a group together. Like it's very fulfilling. But on the flip side, it's like, I remember I was like, going through a really challenging time and I was really questioning like who I was and like how my persona is attached to the company like you know am I just doing all this because it's it's what I've always done and it's what I'm used to and I'm like is this even what I want to do like who am I and if FBM stopped who would I be like you know some heavy questions to ask yourself and like you know, I was just really going through another version of uncertainty and like mm-hmm. being completely insecure about who I am and like my place in the world. And I'm like, man, like if we went out of business, like I'm Crandall from FBM. Like, who am I after that? What's next? Like, who am I? If I took FBM out of the equation, if I took BMX out of the equation, like, you know, my ego, my persona, like all this stuff is all connected to like my career and my livelihood, even though my livelihood isn't necessarily connected to my income it's all like everything's connected and it's like very personal and I've really I've gone all in I've put all my chips in time and time again like like it's it's death or glory with FBM and for me with like you know like everything I've ever earned you know financially has been put back into the company on some level or another and it's like like fuck dude if it stops like who am I and it's always like you know it's happened a couple times where I was like it's it made me really sad and it made me feel really like bad like just you'd be, like like you'd be losing your identity well it's kind of like doing FBMs like raising a family sure and like you know sometimes I haven't always been the best parent but I've always loved it with all my heart mm-hmm. and it's like sometimes I'm like oh I'm so frustrated with all this I wish I could just do something else Mm-hmm. But then, I, like, the prospect of doing something else, like, is overwhelmingly not rad. Right. It's like, that sucks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've had to work straight jobs before throughout all this. And it's like, you know, at one point I was, like, putting Chinese mountain bikes together to, like, make enough money to pay off some, like, tax hawk that I got into. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like, I was like, oh, man, I'm like, I own an American bicycle manufacturing business with like Mike and like the dudes and it's like this is some ironic bullshit right here yeah. and I'm like assembling and I'm going home bikes. after putting yeah. in these shifts <laughs> put, assembling bikes right and I'm doing FBM you know in the mornings right. before I would go in and then when I got home I would do my FBM responsibilities 
after that oh, and it was wow. like demoralizing like right it's like god damn dude i've like tried really hard and like with what i've always thought was like a genuine sincere honest effort like uh-huh. put our best foot forward at all times so long story short i'm like who am i without fpm do i even am i even a bmxer or am i just a dude that rides because it's like part of like the whole gig and i was just really questioning everything and like feeling really like devalued within my my own opinion of myself and like mm-hmm. you know i was it was early on with like sober and up i was still dealing with mike passing away and like just all these questions you know like no answers like mm-hmm. you know there's nobody there's nobody that has experienced anything the same way as any other person so it's like and this is an ex- especially unique lifestyle to have chosen and maybe some of it chose me but i was i was i was you know riding i was starting to ride more because i was like more aware of like my t- my time because i you know when you quit drinking you get two hours minimum at the end of the day and two hours in the beginning of the day that's like you're not drunk and you're not hung over <laughs> so i was like i started riding in the mornings because it's like so hot it's like summertime yeah, sure and i was like getting these early sessions in. like i would go and get be you know on the rolling at the trails at seven in the morning and i'm like Mm-hmm. I, I think I was about 40 years old or 41 years old it was uh-huh. a couple years ago Yeah. and I'm on the roll in and it's 7 in the morning and I'm riding by myself and I just kind of like laughed and I just had this moment where I was like you're up and at the trails at 7am riding by yourself you know like sweat dripping down my forearm onto right. my grips like right. puddling up on my grips right. so much even that early that it's like I can hardly hold on to the handlebars and I'm getting bit by mosquitoes, and like <laughs> I remember it so vividly, even though I might have manufactured manufactured some of this memory. <laughs> but I remember being at the trails early enough to hear like the chorus of the crickets kind of give way to like the chirping of the birds, like like that early, like daybreak. Yeah. And I was like, it was kind of like a Disney like movie in my imagination, like. Yeah. And it's just like, I was like, I just laughed, and I was like all right, you're a BMXer, like, all those questions can be put to rest now, you're riding by yourself at 7 in the morning at 41 years old, for no, no monetary compensation, no, like, no approval from your friends, like, nothing but, I want to ride, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make it happen today, and I, as often as I can, and I was, like, so stoked that I, was able to like have that moment and realize like yeah dude you're a bmxer and being a bmxer is one of the most important things to me and it's like provided all the most important things in my life outside of like the family that i you know lucky Mm -hmm. enough to be a part of and it's like it was like a an exhale moment but also i was taking it all in you know i was like i'm a lucky motherfucker like and you're crazy ass is riding at 7 in the morning it's already 93 degrees out you know I was like mm-hmm. I was pumped and there was yeah. nobody there to share it with and it didn't matter because everyone was there with me in my head and in my heart sure. you know like Tag was there you know all my best friends were there like people I never even see were there like every experience that I'd ever good or bad was all part of that moment and it was like yeah dude let's ride and I had a session, and I uh-huh. got stoked. And then the rest of that day, who knows what I did? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that is awesome. And it was like, you know, that was a pretty profound moment for me. And it was pretty, I, you know, it was pretty, you know, that's kind of like an intimate thing to share with people. Sure. But it was like, 
who the fuck am I? Yeah. And you, you never really know. But I knew for that moment, that day, I'm a BMXer. Mm-hmm. And BMXing is cool. You know, it might not be cool to anybody else except BMXers. We're like a bunch of kooks on kids' bikes. But, like, <laughs> I, was, I was happy to have made that understanding that day and, like, made that connection within myself because, like, you know, life's tough, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I didn't make it easy on myself. You know, none of my friends did. And it's like, right. thank God we get to enjoy these simple pleasures that, you know, bike riding has, you know, awarded us, you know, like, I don't have health insurance. I don't have, a, you know, a normal family life. Mm-hmm. I don't have a normal home life. I don't live in a normal house. But I have an amazing network of friends and a support group of people that are like more than you could ever hope for. You could never purchase. Mm-hmm. You can only earn it. And it's like earned by putting in time and being a decent person and being honest and genuine and like reciprocating on every thing that someone else brings to the table you know and it's like that's you know a lot that's of your identity that's like that's who i am right i'm not just crandall from fbm although that like is a huge defining factor in me i'm also the product of all the good people in my life and the good things that i've done and like the tough lessons that i've learned and like you know the work that I've put in to become Crandall from FBM sure and like hey I'm lucky to be able to sit here and say these words yeah and like it might sound like gibberish but hey you know like no not at all not at all I'm glad we got back to that story because when we were driving around today I heard that and I'm like whoa that was that was a heavy thought and and I'm glad you remembered how it rolled because it was uh I mean I'm lucky to have like that was like a crucial, like, it was almost like a breakthrough, you know? It's like, mm. and, and you know, I've been riding bikes for 30 some odd years. You're like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you take it out of context and there's some grown men digging holes in some woods <laughs> and like they're riding kids bikes. It's like, that's absurd. I've heard so many people say this, this, just this version, different versions of the exact same thing. Like and... if you take... The life of a BMXer out of context is the most ridiculous thing. You try to describe that shit to somebody, and you're like, you are a weirdo. Man. Yeah, and, right, right. And then, you know, like... Get a grip. It's like, yeah. oh, maybe I am a weirdo. Who the yeah. fuck am I? Right. Why do I think I could do this? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Go, right. get a, go get a credit card debt problem and a job you don't like and, you know, a car that... You can't afford. You know, it's, like, it's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Oh man. Uh let's see what else they want to ask you in here. Oh, tell me how the bus came about. And um, um this is actually a pretty funny story. I can't wait because it, it, you don't know was, about this. There one. were buses before the bus, right? This is the first. Well, yeah, we did um my girlfriend at the time had a a couple school buses and she loaned me one for Megator with props one year oh, okay. and it was we made it look like a church bus and we said it, FBM said Faith Brethren Ministries <laughs> and we drove it to Texas and we were we pretended while we were on the road that we were like a youth outreach group to try to like because I don't know if we had that thing insured or anything we were like oftentimes we were just a little bit outside yeah. regulation with everything we've done with it you know being on the road with FBM and it's like so we we've had buses, and actually that bus that we took to Texas is the one that Henny lives in now. 
same bus that he's. Oh, I didn't know Hanny lived in a bus. Yeah, he lives in a smaller bus. Um, I don't know if he lives in it full time. Uh huh. But he's kind of off the grid. But yeah, he's he's a bus dude too. Yeah. But um, so we've always had a van. There's always been like the mm-hmm. Ram van, the Slam van, mm-hmm. you know, the Skeleton, which we still have at FBM. There's, like the van has always been like like a part of the family, you know, like right. like the van is like another one of the FBM team dudes. Uh-huh. And uh, I had this pretty nice Dodge conversion van and I, I got it for real cheap on Craigslist and it ran good, had the 318, it was dialed. Like I got some Pirellis, like 10 plies, expensive tires. Cause yeah. like so many years we're driving around with like Baldini May Pops, you know, like where like the, the steel belts are, you don't know that the steel belts are showing because they're on the inside of the wheel wells and you just don't notice oh, it. Gosh. So it finally, like, you know, sprung for some expensive tires and it's like, right. dudes, we're safe. We're driving around, like, in a dependable yeah. vehicle with tires that can handle the too many people and too many bikes in the van. Like, right. you know, the suspension's proper. It's like the 250, not the 150. Right. And uh, we were on a trip and uh, my knees and ankles are all screwed up. Mm-hmm. from just years of like wear and tear yeah and i remember i was like we were we went to the dew tour in ocean city maryland okay and then we went down we went from there down to virginia beach which is only like like less than two hours from richmond and i was like dudes i gotta like get off the trip like i can't like my knees are you know i, was, I forget what the exact problem was but i was like i can't ride i'm not doing any good you guys take the van mm-hmm. and finish the trip try to get some footage have some fun you know it was like the last half of the trip right and we weren't far from home so i was like i'm gonna hitch a ride actually kit came and got me i'm pretty sure okay and drove me back up to richmond i probably told him i'd buy him beer and forgot to (laughs) stiffed him on the gas money um and then gave him like three stickers (laughs) but uh now kit came and got me and i was like all right dudes do whatever have fun you know tanks filled with gas you know whatever road trip stuff just don't drink and drive and don't catch it on fire and what did they do they drank and drove and caught the goddamn van on fire <laughs> and someone had like put it you up specifically on... said those two things that's yes. exactly and i'm what not happened. bullshitting you it sounds like a story oh my but God. it's like and it was like kenny and holiday and latinay and like they were staying with some buddies and it was at a party house and uh they had so the, the the van was at the end of the driveway and you know driveway's kind of like slant mm-hmm. downhill and there's a burn barrel in the driveway they're having a fire they're all behaving who knows how terrible and um so they're and they had a they, there was always motorcycles in this house it's called the pos house uh-huh. and uh they were I, I if the story if i remember correctly the story was they were emptying all the gas out of like a three-wheeler out of the tank and it had just started like going down the driveway and it passed the burn barrel and eventually caught on fire and the puddle of gasoline was underneath the van on the, the passenger side rear wheel and it just engulfed the van and this dude chopper was like the one dude that had the wherewithal to turn the hose on and put it all out and like you know so the whole side of the van is scorched and one of the tires is like i'm surprised they drove it home and, like, one of the dudes put it up on Instagram, so I knew it had happened, but they immediately took it down, hoping that I wouldn't have seen it. And for some reason, I saw it. <laughs> so they didn't say nothing, and they come home, and I knew it, and I was just kind of waiting to see, like, like I, they were busted, but they didn't, knew, they didn't know that I knew. And I was like, 
you know, everyone hightailed it out of the, the van. They were like, drop us off here. You know, don't bring dad the, the van all screwed up. <laughs> and uh, Kenny, you know, manned up and he's like, dude, I feel really bad. And mm. Latine was with him, if I remember correctly. And they're like, we fucked up the van. And I was like, dudes. And I got all serious with them. Yeah. And I was like, I'm very disappointed. Like in a full dad style. And they're like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I was like, in my day, we would have burned the whole goddamn thing to the ground. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, Phew. like I was bummed. It was like, yeah. It was lame that they caught the van on fire. Right. But also, totally appropriate. Right. Like right. if you're going right. to do something and you're a part of FBM, of course you're going to catch the van on fire. Right. I just was like, me and Kelly would have, that thing wouldn't have, it would have, it'd be in a pile in the bottom of that driveway. You know, so it's like, I was like, God damn it, guys. And <laughs> so I was like, well, we got to get a new van. Mm-hmm. Found a bus on Craigslist for like 2500 bucks. In yeah. Colonial Williamsburg. Went and bought it. Like, I'd always been like, you know, there's an old punk rock movie with uh, Social Distortion and Youth Brigade. And they had an old school bus and they toured around and they spray, spray paint stencil t-shirts and they all piled in there and they're all crazy looking and so that was always like in my head and then like you know the Muppets were driving that bus and they're like you know Muppets go across America whatever that movie was right. but then also like the old SE bus yeah was like you know one of the or, that was like you know a seminal like sure set of like images in my head of like you know the SE team like hanging outside that camouflage bus and then mm-hmm. going across America and I was like we're gonna get a bus and we bought this bus and that was like five some odd years ago and uh maybe more than that and right off the bat we drove it to texas toast and we didn't even test ride it we like got it we gutted it you know made a makeshift like the first version of the bus and then uh you know the gas gauge didn't work right i was like all right cool we're out on the side of the interstate 40 in tennessee in the rain there's no shoulder and we're out of gas and we're like you know dealing with it and but we made it to texas we made it back gas was pretty expensive we spent a ton of money i think it was 1500 bucks round trip to get to texas toast and back whoa um so yeah like the bus is the vehicle embodiment of fbm you know like each product that we make each team rider you know each person involved with fbm in some way is like a part of this puzzle and the bus is like a vehicle for expression and partying and traveling mm-hmm. like it's it's like literally a vehicle empowering us and our group to be able to do cool shit you mm-hmm. know figuratively and literally you know like so that's how the bus came to be and then you know the whole time you know like each year i'm getting broker and broker in my life and john paul's like you know we always have a vehicle and john paul and those dudes are always like that thing's never going to make it on this trip. They're always like, that thing's a, this, you're crazy for driving that thing all the way to Texas or whatever the situation. Right. And John Paul's like, you living in that bus yet? I know you're broke. And it's like, no, no, no. I had it parked behind my apartment for a long time. Uh-huh. And then last year I got the gig to do bikes over Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a couple weeks overseas. And then there was the Vans Malaga contest all at the same time. So I was overseas for a month and my lease was up at my apartment. So I was like, I guess I'm going to live in the bus. So I packed up all my stuff and I put it in the bus and I cut that part of my life off. Like 
you know, the normal rent, bills, all that stuff, I changed it. And I, I parked the bus at the Lost Bowl last summer, and that was like my first go at living out of the bus. You know, and I, you know, luck, luckily, you know, Pat and the dudes at the Lost Bowl were like, yeah, come stay here, you know, like pitch in on some of the bills, don't make a mess, and, you know, don't drink and drive and don't catch the bus on fire. <laughs> you know, like, and then, uh, you know, in that, you know, just further evolution of like the minimalist lifestyle and transitioning into like living out of the bus and you know last summer was like the start of living in the bus and it was parked at the lost bowl and then we did the made in america tour and like it's pretty difficult to live out of the bus and also still use it as a tour vehicle so i got back from made in america tour end of last summer like september sometime in september mm -hmm. and uh, i just kind of parked the bus like taking on a few small trips from them but like now that I live out of the bus, it's I don't really drive it around very much. You know, it's like stationary. Sure. So like when I say I'm living out of the bus, it's not like at a truck stop anywhere in America. Like <laughs> right. it's based out of Richmond, Virginia, mm -hmm. but you know can still turn it on and take it somewhere if that's what we like decided we wanted to do. Sure. Actually, hey. you know it's been raining so much for the last two weeks, mm -hmm. and I hadn't started it in a while, but the bus sank four inches it's... where it's parked, and I like. You know, I got it started, and I was like, "Man, I hope these tires don't start spinning," because I had to pull it forward. Uh -huh. But I was like, "I was like, oh man, if they start spinning and the bus sinks, right. we're gonna have to just bury this thing because right. like, there's no way we're gonna get it out of here." But I rocked it back and forth and got it out, and I filled in the sinkholes from like the back tires. Right, right. You know, it's a you know dually in the back, mm -hmm. so it was like two pretty big tires on each side sinking down four inches. Yeah pulled it forward i filled in the holes and then i put some three-quarter inch plywood and then backed on top of that oh, okay. and that's a temporary fix but like these are some of the things you have to face when you're living in a yeah. non-conventional lifestyle right. like your house might be sinking sure in the yard and maybe the windshield wipers don't work right 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 in the setup you know if you don't mind me telling people what i'm seeing the setup is pretty wild because you're in the backyard of a friend's house yeah it and uh it's you've got your own space. You've yeah. got it's, it's you've got half of the backyard. It's basically like an elaborate campground. It's yeah, like, it's, exactly. It's like easy living for if you're into camping. Right. But like the bus has power. It's mm -hmm. got Wi-Fi. It's got a wood stove. I lived in it all throughout the winter. Um, I got a cord of wood in the beginning which is of winter. Wild. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was kind of like an experiment. Like, let's see what you're made of, dude. Like, yeah. You know, you can't be crying wolf like you're like living this wild lifestyle and like do you like staying at you know the Hilton when you're pretending to live in a bus. It's like I really did it. You know, I lived, survived the winter. You know, sometimes it didn't go as planned, but you know I, there was times when I would wake up and I would look at my phone to see what the temperature was and it was nine degrees, twelve degrees, whatever. But you know, I managed to keep the fire inside going. the bus. No, outside. <laughs> like I'm looking just, at the I'm weather app. But yeah, and then <laughs> right. like. You know, I, you know, it's, I didn't grow up in the wilderness, you know, like right. the wood stove was kind of like figuring that out, you know, the, you yeah. know, sometimes the wood would be a little damp or like it sure. would freeze thaw, freeze thaw and like, right. or it'd be like, there'd be some hardwood and then there'd be some softwoods and like, you know, just like all this shit that like, if you grew up doing that your whole life, you're like, yeah, whatever, that's how we do it. Right. But it was like, oh, it's like four in the morning and the fucking fires, I got to make sure this thing's going to stay going. Cause like. If it's nine degrees out, I'm not getting out of the sleeping bag. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I'm like, I'm really living out of the bus, but I'm not living on the road out of the bus right now. Right, right, right. It's parked. And I, you know, like, well, I talk about being poor, 
but that's just financially you know mm-hmm. we're not crying wolf when, when we say FPM's like you know you know we're working to make it happen we're not like trying to get people's pity or sympathy or no. I'm not saying I'm poor it's only financially like I'm very wealthy in a lot of different ways in my life like I'm very I have a lot of flexibility a lot of good people and I get to do some really cool shit but financially we're in a completely different situation than a lot of people in a lot of companies mm-hmm. so just to clarify no I love it but it's like hey you know like I mean I don't love that you're struggling but, yeah, but I, that, that I, struggle, I, I, the I struggle love the... is like and I, it's like something that I, I, I always am trying to figure out but I'll talk about it it's mm-hmm. like value Mm-hmm. is completely different than money mm-hmm. and currency isn't always just financial like mm-hmm. like I, I think that there's a lot of currency that we have like with an FBM that's like you know shared experiences like good people like the ability to like navigate and improvise like tough times and like be creative and like all that shit's a completely different value system outside of just regular money mm-hmm. but like as a business we need money to like buy head tubes and pay the screen printers and get the bikes painted and pay the rent and you know all that shit you know it's like so it's not like it's a club right you know right but you know so do you think this bus will hit the road again uh if this bus doesn't hit the road again i would imagine another bus like i probably one of the reasons i stopped driving it around was like it's 25 years old it's we put a lot of miles on it and it's Mm -hmm. like all right, I don't want to keep testing my luck with this. Maybe it's time to like get a newer, potentially more reliable bus. Because mm-hmm. one of the cool things that I learned about with the bus is like if you're getting it from like a church or a school, they did a lot of maintenance and there's a lot of safety regulations. So you're not getting a beater. You know, it's like there's maintenance records. Mm-hmm. It wasn't driven like a maniac. If it's filled with kids, they're not hot rodding that thing around with no oil in it. Right. You know, like you know what you're getting to some degree. Mm-hmm. But we've driven this thing around, and I don't, you know, like, we've gotten our money's worth. So it's like I'm probably going to have to, like, get an upgrade. Right. You know, something a little bit newer, something that maybe gets more than seven miles to the gallon and can go more than 54 miles an hour. (laughs) Do do you have have an agenda? I mean, do you have, like, a tour that you want to do again? Well, we we still do the Made in America tour, and Mm -hmm. this year's uh, trip isn't, we haven't hammered out the details yet, but um, yeah, I mean, we we always want to stay on the road. I think that's one of the defining characteristics of what we do is just being on the road. So it's like if we're gonna keep doing it, then we're gonna have to be on the road to some capacity. Sure. And the bus is like, you know, kind of like another defining characteristic. It's like, yeah, the dudes in the bus. It definitely defines FBM. No <laughs> one else does it. Yeah, you know, it's like it's, it's it's the bus is also you know like a little old it's a little unconventional it's a little beat up but it's totally dependable and it's fucking awesome which is which is fpm yeah it's like it's not what it's not you know it's not the same as what everyone else is doing but damn it's cool i'm looking at lords of fun painted right on the side of the bus (laughs) it's awesome uh let's see oh you know what i threw this in there just for the fun of it do you ever uh did you ever notice any sponsored riders from another company with uh, with your st- with their stickers over your frame? Dave Mira. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, when when he was starting Miraco, in uh-huh. between the he wasn't really doing that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he was in right. between Haro and Miraco, he was riding an FBM, which uh-huh. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
respectfully out of the people under contract. I will not name currently. I don't know if anyone currently is, but historically yeah. in the history, sure. there's been people sponsored by mm-hmm. companies that don't make good bikes riding right. FBMs. Nice, but um, but yeah, that's like that's kind of like a badge of honor, but it's also a little disappointing. It's like. You know, some of these companies have way more money and resource than us, but they ain't making the right. product that they're trying to sell to kids. And it's like, it's a, so, there's some irony in that, you know. It's like, we make a good product. We don't have enough money to have a celebrity riding for us. Uh-huh. So the celebrities getting paid by this other company is riding an FBM, like, on the down low. It's like, you know, I, I think that's kind of funny, you know. But, to, ma- to, make it, to make it more ironic, uh, did the company pay you for the bike or did the rider? You know, I don't remember. That's a good question. That's, that's a check that I would save. <laughs> I th- I th- I'm gonna just yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that one and get back to you. Okay. All right. You know, I just thought about it because you know it's bikes are are it can be so well riders and bikes can be so particular. Yeah. And I would think it'd be natural to have a custom frame builder. It's build it's a bike. not uncommon for some of the big BMX companies to have their team riders on bikes made by a different manufacturer that's like domestic mm-hmm. you know gotcha. like I'm not gonna like and it's not necessarily just an FBM like other sure. other frame builders are making shit for dudes that have that are selling a different bike to like the customers I gotcha. it's not uncommon so and we weren't the first to do it by any stretch no you know I remember no. what Pete Lankarevich back in the day riding to Holmes or something like that I don't remember who he was sponsored by but like you know, Vans maybe he, maybe he was only sponsored by Vans but I remember there being like different stickers on different people's bikes but when you're young you don't realize that you know? sure. you're like whoa that dude's riding a blah 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 it's like that ain't no blah 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 it's right like, right and that's the reason I thought of the question because in the in the 80s and 90s we saw a lot of that right um but uh let's see I got those two out of the way I <laughs> chugging water because I'm like nervous and I'm sorry yeah uh When's the next ghetto gym? Hold that thought. All right, I'm gonna hold it. I couldn't hold this pee anymore, so hold that thought. <laughs> you have a bladder the size of a peanut. Dude, I don't know how you do. Lady. I don't know how you do long trips. I pee in bottles. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Pee break. He's coming back. Inexperienced podcaster can hold the can hold the piss for at least four or five hours. I can't hold it, man. I got like a bladder, like. Oh. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it in part two, but yet, but uh, the painting is near completion. I'm sure you're going to add a few more. It's, it's too dark. I gotta. I'm gonna have to finish it when we get some light. Okay. Which uh, you know what? That'll be good because I want to get a picture of you finishing it uh, cool. tomorrow in cool. daylight. But it's coming along really good, so I can't wait for you guys to see this. Yeah, this is probably one of the most important art pieces of our generation. <laughs> Easily, hands, uh, hands down. So when's the next ghetto comp? Yeah. So the ghetto comps only existed 2002, 2003, 2004. Okay. And we never, we never did another ghetto comp. We've done various, we did ghetto high air one year. We've done this, that, and the other thing. Last year, we did Ghetto King of Burt at Powers Bike Shop. Um, we just did the DIY World Series, a three-stop series. 
at Lost Bowl, Narborough, and the Slab. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what's next will be, we're going to do an open house July 21st at FBM, where we're going to have like ramps and a cookout, and then do a demonstration open to the public to see how bikes are manufactured. Mm -hmm. And then we're probably going to hang out in the Northeast that week and then go to the the Kevin Robinson jam that you're putting on at Powder Ridge. Yeah. 29th, um, yeah. So the 21st, we'll be doing open house at FBM if things go as planned. I haven't made the press release yet. Mm -hmm. And then sometime this fall, we're going to do a 25 years of FBM celebration where we're going to build some sort of like ghetto-ish ramps in the vein of like all the cool shit we've done over the years and make some sort of like celebration event. We're probably going to do that at Powers again like right. sometime end of summer, early fall. So Gotcha. We haven't so, set a date for that, but sometime later this year, we're going to do something to celebrate 25 years of FBM. Nice. You know, in the fashion of, like, parking lot ramps made mm -hmm. out of pallets, probably paint something ridiculous, and <laughs> get a bunch of crazy people to come crawling out of the woodwork for <laughs> another ridiculous weekend. I'm glad you're going to celebrate 25 years, because 25 years is a big deal. Especially yeah, in this industry. because I started FBM when I was four, because I'm only 29 years <laughs> yeah, old now. <laughs> right. Now you sound like Shane Hallahan, only he doubles or triples his age. 29, I loan Shane Hallahan my ID. He uses it to get into the bars in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think they'd like to have him there. He's probably good for business. Oh, yeah. Real good for business. So, let me, uh, do you want to get to some, oh, i got to ask you about a, uh, a tattoo. Okay. That Dave King has. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Joking around one night. Yeah. I was like, he's like, I'm going to get your name tattooed on me. I was uh -huh. like, you get your name tattooed on me. I'll do the same thing. I was like, yeah, I'll get Dave King ain't shit tattooed on me. <laughs> and I totally welched on the fucking bat. And he went and got... He went and got... A lollipop tattooed about like six inches on his thigh with a banner that says Crandall and underneath it it says All Day Sucker. So it's this giant tattoo of a lollipop with my name on it that says All Day Sucker. And I I still haven't owned up to getting the Dave King ain't shit tattoo, but I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> There's still time. How many tattoos do you have? Oh, I have no idea. Can't count them. They start to blend together, right? Because it's, it's like they're it's, full... It's a it's bunch. Ad. My mom was not psyched. No. <laughs> when did you get your first set tattoo? Uh, I was still living at home. In high school or out? I was 17 or 18. Uh, I, I only got a small amount of my tattoos in like legitimate tattoo shops. Yeah. Granted, a lot of these tattoos are done by legitimate tattoo artists, but right. in very informal circumstances like at an event or in a hotel room or, you know, in someone's like living room. Um, but I, I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to get tattoos. My dad had tattoos, you know, like old sailor, you know, I thought he was cool. I was like, I want to get tattoos too. Right. You know, like back in the old days, like it was like a fringe thing. Like you were either like a criminal or like <laughs> right. considered a criminal. Like you were gnarly if you had tattoos back in the old days. Oh yeah. Gang. So I was like, I, you know, I, I thought that was rad. I was like, oh, these are, these dudes are, I want to be like those dudes. Nowadays, it's different, you know? It's, like, a lot more, you know... Do your tattoos tell a story? Oh, uh, they're all? all just road trip mementos or, like, or reminders to myself. A lot of, like, what I say and a lot of what I do are, like, notes to self. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
I was like, I was either 17 or 18, and I got my first tattoo, and it was around the same time I had my first knee surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was, uh, and I was living at home, and my mom always told me, because I wanted to get one when I was in high school, and she was like, you're an idiot, you're not getting a tattoo while you live in my house. Oh, boy. And I remember I was like... We was, tried that route, and it only made, it only made for more tattoos. Yeah, well, she, she compromised, <laughs> she let me get my ears pierced. I was like, all right, oh, cool, okay, I'll get my ears pierced. No, but uh, I was like living in my parents' basement, and you know that's where you would, the washing machine was also, and like my dad had a little workshop down there, um, and I was doing laundry one day, and I would, to get out of like getting in trouble with my mom, I kept wearing this knee brace, for like having like you know a knee problem. I'd wear it if I was wearing shorts in the house, I'd wear that, otherwise I'd wear pants. Uh-huh. And my dad's like, "Hey, get over here!" And I'm like, "What? Oh shit!" He's like, yeah. "What's that on your leg?" I was like, "A knee brace." He's like, you know what I'm talking about. And I was like, oh. I didn't want to admit it, but I was like, I got a tattoo. He's like, let me see that. And my dad always had this thing where he'd like lick his fingers and then rub it on one of these old tattoos on him and be like, yeah, I got this one back at the, uh, you know, so-and-so. He's like, so I was like, we, we shared that moment for a second there. Right. But he was like, he knew he, my dad got his first tattoo when he was 15, you know. Oh, okay. So he's, he knew, he, well, in my head, I was like, he's not going to give me a hard time about this. Right. He's like, don't right. let your mother find out. <laughs> and I was like, I never did. But then, like, I remember after I'd moved out and I came back, like, someone had spilled the beans. And yeah. she's like, I heard you have a tattoo and your nose pierced. And I was like, who, who told you this stuff? You know, like. You know, like that's like 1993. Like, oh, God. Yeah, you know, Tag's parents told me. <laughs> it's like, son of a. God damn it. But yeah, so I, I, I slipped out of that, you know. There was definitely like my mom ruled the, the roost, you know. It was like. Yeah. It's like it was her house, you know. Right. I had to live by her rules. And you get any tattoos, you're out of here. Right. But I didn't want to get kicked out. Oh, man. I got a tattoo anyway, though. <laughs> right. Oh, God. You want to hit some questions? Sure, go for it. Now we'll, now we'll hit them. So, Evan Smedley, who is, is roaming around Richmond somewhere here. Oh, shit. He's, he's around here somewhere tonight, today. Uh, and he wants to know which FBM trip was your favorite. There is no possible way I could answer that. Every trip has been something completely different and unique. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times we take the same trip over and over again, it's like different experiences. Sometimes there's different people on the trip, like... Sometimes the van breaks down, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it catches on fire, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> you know, there's been so many trips that have all been so crucial over the years mm-hmm. that I don't think I could narrow that one down. But, like, Road Fools 2 was, like, a breakout period for me. And like, to be able to be on the road with Joe Rich and Robbie Morales and Rooftop and all these people and Mike Tag mm-hmm. and, like, Lee Ramsdale and all these, like, totally like key players in that time we that was kind of like oh shit we're like with these dudes now we're not just watching them it was like so that was pretty cool road fools tool was awesome mm-hmm. all the made in america tours that we do with profile and qbp those have been like so cool you know we get to travel to these cool places and we go to bike shops that support fbm and profile and we meet people and like get to share what we do with like all these you know, cool spots, whether it's Malali in the Bronx or, mm-hmm. you know, back alley bikes in North Carolina or, you know, any one of these places like, you know, up and down the East Coast, you know. So it, that one I can't answer, but sure. all of them, they've all been rad and I'm stoked. 
That's awesome. Can't wait for the next one. Too tired. I got to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a good, uh, also from Evan, tell us a good Phil uh, Wasson? Or is it Wasson? Phil Wasson. Wasson. So Phil, Phil rode for FBM back in like one of he our did Piedmont too? years. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he had a, a pro model with us called the PW Moto. And, uh, okay. So he wants a story about Phil. Phil learned pocket airs five foot out of an empty swimming pool in Albany, New York at the Burden Lake Pool. And it was in a 10 or 11 foot deep end. And it's in the props road trip series that had Bob Sherlow and Ron Kimler and Tag and Gilly and I all on it. And uh, that is a wild... If you watch the video, you'll understand what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a story. It's just like a testament to like how badass that situation was like yeah. first of all we we're on a props road trip right. that's fucking cool right. we're in an empty swimming pool from an old country club in albany new york yeah and he's learning pocket airs and doing them you see him learn it learn it in the video but yeah. it's like oh you just learned that because that's like pocket airs were like still kind of new back then you know sure. like, people had done them but it was like it wasn't happening a lot and it was like that was so that that's the answer to that question wow that's awesome Ah, uh, let's see. Here, it's Zach Hatfield. He wants to know, if you had to do it all over again, would you still create FBM? Absolutely. Without a doubt, every mistake, every crazy, screwed up, wild, dysfunctional story that I've experienced as a part of FBM, I will totally do again and I would build a boat cross the sea get to the shore and light the boat on fire <laughs> alright uh, well we talked about this but you can add to it if you want what inspires you to paint dig and keep giving back to the BMX community with DIY jams just just participating you know like don't want to be a spectator you know i want to just be involved with the things that i i, I appreciate and just mm-hmm. creative expression i guess that's it all right casey smith wants to know what is a diggles what the fuck is a diggles and does anybody got a 17 <laughs> exactly you just covered brendan bale's questions now uh angel rodriguez where in the world is wilbur barrick wilbur who you could see in FBM videos Ring of Fire and the Bar is Closed as well as Stu Johnson and Mike Tagg's seminal video 1201 was at which you have a tattoo of don't you yeah well that was our old address in Fort Wayne for the Fat House house, okay so Wilbur was like a very to just create some some context super awesome dude very raw street dude Became an architect and is living in Oregon and is he would get he would watch the first scene of Indiana Jones where he's like getting chased by the big boulder and then like you know narrowly escaping death. He would watch that to get stoked to go riding, which is super hilarious because he went on to become an architect and would wear the hat like Indiana Jones the whole bit. And I don't know exactly what he's up to, but that's like you know, he got into like that lifestyle, but it's still like 
You know, he's probably bombing a hill on a skateboard with his shoes untied somewhere. Oh, my way. God. <laughs> All right, Angel also wants to know your favorite tag memory. We you were, were with driving, him a long time. Yeah, we were driving one time from... I had moved to Dayton. He was still living in Fort Wayne. He eventually came and lived with me and the dudes in the, the Dayton house where... I think Colin Winkleman lived there for a little bit, but like John Fecky and these guys. Um, so there was a little exchange program like after I left the fat house. And we had stopped in between you know one of these like secondary roads in between the two cities and got lunch and it was a it was a kfc and it was an all-you-can-eat lunch buffet of like salad bar and um i was driving a hand-me-down 1986 ford escort that my mom had given me and it had an exhaust leak and we had our bikes taken apart and stuffed in the back and we you know it was like six dollars you know back then six dollars might as well have been a hundred dollars right so we're like just eating and I'm like alright dude let's, it's time to boogie let's get going mm-hmm. and I'm like meet me in the car you know I was going to go pee or something because I was going to pee right. and uh, I probably drank like 14 Mountain Dews or something ridiculous <laughs> and uh, he's just eating he's just he's, he's got a full plate of salad with like hard boiled eggs and like ranch dressing and all the fixings and I'm like what are you doing let's go like gesturing like from the you know he's on inside the restaurant still and i'm in the yeah. car and i'm like let's go dude right like beeping the horn i'm like i've always been very impatient with everybody i'm like yeah we gotta hurry we gotta hurry we gotta get there and i'm like and everyone's like why i was like i don't know it's <laughs> like because i'm impatient and weird <laughs> so i'm like beeping the horn and i'm like let's go let's go and he's trying to come out to the car and they won't let him leave with a plate of food even though like he'd already paid for it they're like salad bar policy you can't leave the, the premises with the food and he's like whatever just leaves and you know the lady from the behind the counter is blocking the door telling him you can't leave the premises with that food blocking the door and he's like get out of the way and he just comes out to the car and he's like we gotta go and I was like what's going on like I have no idea how why this why it's so weird like what's going on yeah and uh these two old guys that were just patrons of the KFC we're like, hey, you can't leave with that salad. And he's like, and they're reaching in the car trying to grab the salad from him. And I'm like, and like, you know, keep in mind, I have no idea what's happening. I'm like, what are these people, what did you do in there? He's like, dude, they wouldn't let me leave with the salad. I was like, that's ridiculous. Let's go. He's like, and the dudes, these old guys, like senior citizens are like reaching in the passenger window of the 86 Ford Escort trying to get the salad and he's like all right you want the salad and he's like it's kind of like there's this like whole like yeah there's just this whole weird thing happening for you know it probably only took like 81 seconds but it seemed like you know it was like like i was watching a movie and he's like all right you want this salad and i don't even know if he said it or if i just like through telepathy i just heard him think it and uh the old guy's reaching in the car and he ended up having a bruise on his right arm from the dude grabbing his arm like give me that salad and keep in mind this is like the craziest thing you're in a nowhere town in between Ohio and Indiana and some 70 year old dude is trying to beat up your best friend over a salad at KFC it's like it wasn't even like he had like you know a, plate, a bucket full of chicken that he'd stolen it was like a salad bar that he'd paid for and he's like get ready to go 
And he's like, you want the salad? And he just pushes it into the guy's face. He didn't, like, hit him. But he smushed, he mushed the guy's face with a plate full of salad. And he's just like, he's like, the dude is speechless. And he's just standing there with, like, shredded cheese and lettuce, like, hanging from his face. And, like, ranch dressing drip, dripping down. And it's like, like, he was, like, completely, it was, like, the most defeated you can make a human being with a salad. And like Mike's like, get ready to go. And he just did that. He mushed the guy's face. And the two dudes are like fists in the air like, you bastards. And like we boogied out of there. And like it was completely outrageous. Like So that's one of my favorite tag stories. And there's a million just as ridiculous to go right alongside that one. Salad bar policy. Oh, my God. Wow. All right. Uh, hey, you know what? We may as well hit this. Bike uh, Bike Mike 6, he wants to know, does FBM really stand for Fat Bald Men? FBM stands for whatever you want it to. But the original meaning was Fat Bald Men, mm-hmm. and it was, in my teenage brain, like the only people that had BMX companies back then were a bunch of fat bald men that were like, hiring yeah you know like Duke Best in the movie Rad you know Mm -hmm. it was like so that was like our tongue in cheek like jab at like the corporate world like hey we're gonna start a company when we're like we're gonna call it Fat Bald Men but then you know it's evolved and changed over the years and it's like fire beer and mayhem or like 15 beer minimum or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's whatever at this point it's just right FBM right right FBM bike company how about uh, Sam Elliott wants to know, will you ever ride a bike that isn't red? Not if I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you like red bikes though, huh? Yeah, they look cool, man. They're faster also. And I need all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also wants to thank you for coming to this to the slab and sharing the fun. Awesome. Thank you. And Serb76. I'm going to butcher this because I think I think one of the words is wrong, or I'm just really old and don't understand it, but he says, rough estimate of beds shat <laughs> domestically since 1993. So there's a there's an FBM, FBM shirt that was, it just said, shit the bed FBM style. And oh, okay. literally, it doesn't mean shitting in a bed, but mm-hmm. when everything goes to hell, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, everything's shit the bed. Right. So we've shit a lot of beds since 1993, domestically and <laughs> around, internationally. I got you. All right. Trail Surf wants to know, did you really get blackballed from <laughs> from Woodward in the late 90s? I got busted for, for answering this. In the foam <laughs> I got busted for answering this in the comments on your Instagram, but... Yeah, well, I, it got attention because... All right, so what, tell, tell the story. So I was working at Woodward one summer, and it was when Nyquist was just becoming, making a name for himself. Uh-huh. And uh, the foam pits were gritty you know there's no telling what was in there or like what kind of like like all foam pits yeah you know they're weird it's like the the ball pit at chuck e cheese kids are pissing i think i think i'd heard like the story about kids pissing and shitting in the ball pit at chuck e cheese and being like oh man like somebody fucking probably shit in the foam pit at woodward so i was like the the one dude that was the most straight laced i was like 
Nyquist shit in the foam pit. Be careful in there. And it totally got spun around where people were like, you hear Crandall shit in the foam pit? And then people were like, I heard Crandall got banned from Woodward for shitting in the foam pit. And it's like, and I never, I never refuted the, the rumor. I just kind of like let it. Perpetuate. Yeah, and it was yeah. Like, but no, I didn't shit in the foam pit. And then Ryan Nyquist uh, responded and says, maybe he did. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, Ryan Nyquist has been known to shit in some foam pits. That's like, the the horror version of shitting the bed. It's like that quit shit the phone pit. Oh man. I love the follower questions. They're always good. And if you're new to the podcast, this is this is uh something I enjoy doing because this podcast is really a community effort and I get lots of background on the people I'm interviewing through these through these questions and then sometimes they bring up answers that none of us expected. So I appreciate the questions for sure. So, Dirt Boy Industries, John Miller, he wants to know, he said, you once stated that there should be a 220-pound category. Do you still stick with that? Well, I wish I was a little lighter on my feet, but there's an old saying, you got to be two-something to do something. (laughs) I might be a big kid, but I can still move. But yeah, I think there was a joke about like, Heavy set riders needing their own like class. <laughs> so, but now I'm gonna try to like get rid of the beer gut one of these days. And I got to point out that John Miller obviously is saying this as a big guy himself. He's a he's a he's a big yeah, guy. It, it's, Ian, that guy gets red. I watched him at Malali last year. He's he's fun to watch. I, I mean, it's cool when a big dude gets down because you know he's got to like you know you got to try harder sometimes. You know, it's like. He did a nice turn down. He did all all kinds of stuff. I was like, damn, that guy is. You, you gotta be um, do gotta something be. to do something. So and, <laughs> and he was. <laughs> so JJ Ansel me, Ansel me. Uh, he's from Wyoming. Actually, he sent me a book that I've been reading that I'll talk about it at some point. Um, but he wants to know, do you remember spitting beer in my face in 2005? I do not, but I don't deny that it happened. And I apologize if it bummed you out. And if not, cool. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I think uh, the book... Uh, oh, that dude wrote a book. He wrote a book. It's about uh, punk rock. Uh, yeah, so he probably ain't mad then. No. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't uh, remember it, but cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's... Uh, and if I bummed you out, I apologize. He spent a little bit of time in Austin, and now he's in California, and I think he's a college professor. Oh, so, sick. That's, so he's, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Like, BMX has, like, produced so many, like, wildly talented people in so many different fields. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty, like, one of the things that I cherish about, like, being a BMXer, it's like... Mm-hmm. I think it's taught a lot of people that anything is possible, and, like... That just goes to show another person, like, you know, wrote a book as mm-hmm. a college professor. It's not just some dude riding a kid's bike. Right. Sometimes right. it might be just a kid riding a kid's yeah, bike. Yeah, and if you read the story, you persevered through some some real crap to do it. So it's. I think uh, that's another thing BMX has taught people, like, yeah, get tough or take a hike, dude, because, like, life ain't easy. No. No, definitely not. Tasha Lindemann, she wants to know, you may know her, TJL Photo. Yep. 
she does all my flyers and stuff and I know her through the exercise group for uh, that Kevin Robinson still it's still going uh, with the woman that he's a partner with in it um, but she wants to know how do you take your coffee coffee black that's it no sugar Simple. no cream yeah you uh, that's your minimalist uh, minimalistic lifestyle right there who needs well, to fill the fridge or, or even have to have a fridge for milk? Well, I I, I think, uh, that, like, you know, Crescent suggested this idea. It's like you're either like a novelist or an ex-con if you drink your coffee black. <laughs> we'll go with novelist. <laughs> hopefully I'll have... just haven't uh, written the book yet. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll be able to have, like... You know the wherewithal to write a book someday because there might be some fun stories to share with everybody. Oh, yeah. I'm going to check when I interview uh, Matt Coplin next week. I'm going to I'm going to check and see how he drinks his coffee. Yeah, he might. He's a, he's a pretty boy. He might take it with sugar. I. But he's, he, he's I written know, books though, so let's let's test. Yeah, he might be drinking black coffee. Let's test that theory of Crescent's. <laughs> drinking black coffee and staring at a wall. Yeah. yeah. It sounds so Jack Kerouac-ish. It's actually uh, um, a Black Flag song. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I, I, didn't know I had that. an art show recently in New York, mm-hmm. and the premise of the art show was drinking black coffee and staring at a wall. So it was like renderings and paintings of coffee cups based on like the music of Black Flag. Like, you know, some of the coffee cups had Black Flag logos as the steam coming out of them, or on the actual coffee cups, and like it was like kind of like an homage to like the punk rock and DIY lifestyle that I grew up in mm-hmm. also being you know something that's creative and expressive and artistic so that is what and I do I do remember seeing some some of your work with the black flag, black flag four stripe symbol come to think of it so how did that go how did the uh, how it did was the showing my first go? solo art show and it was at my friend Red's uh motel in Ithaca, New York called Greyhaven. Uh-huh. And uh, it was really cool, like really cool reception. I got a lot of people from a lot of different facets of my life to come together at the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everybody was either very generous with the, the way they spoke about the artwork that I was showing, or they were just like that cool and like that good of friends. Everyone was really supportive and it was like really humbling and awesome. Really cool to be able to bring a bunch of people together without it being a bicycle event. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it was awesome. I I was I was humbled by it, but at the same time, like motivated to try to do more art. You know, right? It was awesome. Ah, that is awesome. Uh, she also wants to know craziest craziest photo and story to go with it. Shit. I know this is a tough one. I don't have an answer to that one. It's I've taken too many photos. And there's too much happened over such a long period of time that, like, Mm -hmm. you'd have to have another podcast. Right, right. I gotcha. Oh, let's see. Jake the Hippie wants to know the craziest fat house story, if you want to elaborate on that one. The craziest fat house story isn't one thing, but it is Ground Chuck coming to stay with us as a 14-year-old kid with a handful of food stamps. And just his mom being like, okay, you can go hang out at the fat house for the summer. And he came and stayed with us. For the summer at 14 years old? Yeah. Wow. You know, that was, you know, his... 
he spent the summer as a teenager with me and Tag and Gilly and the guys, Stu Johnson. Like, that's amazing. You know, he lived with us, you know. <laughs> so like that's somehow like our lives intersected and. Oh. Uh-huh. You know now you know we're still friends all these years later. Yeah, Grontuk is is uh, he's amazing. He's yeah, an he's amazing. A, he's person. hilarious. He's hilarious and he's just like such a solid guy. Yeah, very we very do. stoked to have made a lifelong friend. You know, with another dude that's solid, you know. Yeah. Right on, dude. Absolutely agreed. Uh, Jake also wants to know your take on the kids that are hungry for sponsorships. And uh, his last one was any good ground chuck stories. (laughs) Well, we covered the ground chuck story. And kids that are hungry for sponsorship, you know, like, if that's what they want to do, if that's what they want to try to, like, achieve as BMXers, then, like, who am I to say what people should or shouldn't do? Um, I my advice would be to find value in what you're doing and not what you're trying to accomplish. And then, if someday you're lucky enough to end up in a situation where a company is supporting you on whatever level, then cool, like that's awesome. Yeah. But don't let that define like what you're trying to do. Right. You know, right. That's I, that's my only advice, I guess. You know. I, I agree with that. I I don't think that's the reason you should be doing something for one. But which... if you get a chance to like get some free shoes, hell yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know. If sometimes like Seven Eleven sponsors you with the big gulp, and they don't even know it. Right. <laughs> Filled with Snickers bars and, and batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Have to listen to part one to hear that. Don't tell mom. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's see. Family Dan. Ooh, this is a tough one. Which five non-FBM riders would you take in the bus on a trip anywhere, any time period? Non-FBM riders? Yep, non-FBM. Garrett Burns. Ron Wilkerson. This is going to be harder than I thought. Pete? Who's Pete? Augustine. No. Yeah, maybe. I would. On the short list? I don't know. Yeah, I would take Pete. He might just be in there on accident. He <laughs> might have just showed up. Uh, so we got, so definitely Wilkerson, uh-huh. Garrett Burns, Dennis Anderson is a favorite. Mm-hmm. Who's wild and awesome? Shit, this is a tough one. Dugan? Who? Dugan? No, he's too crazy. I wouldn't put him in that bus. <laughs> um, he just can't sit still, that's all. You know, I don't know. There's too many people. But They're, definitely uh, Wilkerson and Garrett Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Hoffman, because he's oh, yeah. super batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to mix it up, uh, Eric Roop. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, let's you, throw Rich Bartlett in there because he's weird as hell. Yeah. But he's all, he's like an FBM affiliate, so maybe that doesn't yeah. count. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know if I could narrow it down. Like, hey, you, you threw some good ones in there that, I, I re- that, that to me, help explain where your head's at when you, when you think about those kind of yeah, times that you'd have. It's, it's too tough. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I'd have to include somebody that drives me totally nuts. So, 
<laughs> Who would that be? Corrigan. No, he's, <laughs> he's part of FBM, retired FBM. That's and then true. Stu, because Stu drives me nuts. He'd be yelling at me the whole time. <laughs> Pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, Quit spilling food on your shirt. <laughs> man. Uh, I, I got nothing because I got too many, too many names going through my head. <laughs> Um, it'd almost be easier to go by state yeah. and say, here, from Florida, who would you take? <laughs> here, from Texas, who would you take? Everyone from Florida's crazy, so they can't come. You're right, right. Uh, all right, so Jess Greninger, I probably pronounced your name incorrectly, Jess, I'm sorry. Um, he wants to know, in times of doubt, what and where do you go in your head that makes you... that? Uh, makes you keep on being positive in the Stoke High? Um, I kind of touched on this earlier, and a lot of like mm-hmm. what I do and what I project out into the world mm-hmm. are kind of like notes to self. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I call it. It's like I kind of developed this mantra, like have fun every day. Mm-hmm. It's not like I invented that phrase or anything like that, but it's like nothing's easy, right? right. And like sometimes times are tough, and sometimes what you project out into the world will come back to you so like i just try to like and there's that old saying fake it till you make it you know like you know there's been times where i've been like you know having a tough time being positive so i put it out there like hey you know have fun every day like anything is possible like you know the pma thing and a lot of it's just like me telling myself like hey dude like cheer up do something cool have some fun like let's you know like so i think it's like i think a lot of people think that i'm stoked all the time Mm -hmm. and that's because what i put out there but i mean a lot of the times i'm like you know insecure and unsure of myself and like sometimes unhappy about stuff and Mm -hmm. frustrated just like anybody you know like and i think garrett touched on some pretty heavy important topics you know like just because somebody is somebody that you know just because somebody's well known or has like notoriety or mm-hmm. is a person of influence doesn't mean that they have a perfect life mm-hmm. so like a lot of the time if i'm trying to be positive it's like i'm trying to talk myself as if i'm giving advice to a friend it's like i'm also pe- giving myself a pep talk right so i don't know if that answers that question but it's like i just know that if i do if i have fun every day so that long story short i was having a tough time at one point in my life and my buddy Forgash was like, he just said something. He's like, well, you have, if you have fun every day, then like, it doesn't matter if you die because then you had, you had fun like every day of your life. So it's like, and it was just kind of like a weird, like almost like, you know, morbid, you know, thought. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was like so matter of fact and simple. It's like, yeah, if you have fun every day, then like nothing else matters because at least you, you had fun every day. Right. So like I try to do something meaningful every day, whether it's, have a good cup of coffee, mm-hmm. listen to good music, eat some good food, hang out with good people, you know, have fun riding my bike or doing whatever it is. Sometimes it's like just bombing a hill or skating through a puddle or whatever it is. So you do these simple things. I try to like follow this formula like everyone likes good pizza. You get a slice of pizza and you're stoked. Right. You're not you're not bummed while you're having an ice cream cone. You're not <laughs> bummed if you're bombing a hill on your bike. So even if for just a small part of your day, which is a small part of your life, you're doing something that you find happiness in, then like that's kind of how I try to like. And it's not a 
perfect science. Right. But I try to do something that's meaningful and fun as often as I can because life's tough and you got to make the best with what you got, you mm-hmm. know? So that's, I think, my best yeah. answer. Ah, I like it. Keep it in check. Uh, Brendan Vale. Uh, of course, he mentions the 17. Because um, that's, that's a standard standard statement but well, all right if you had to fight a if you had to fight a pack of wild squirrels what weapons would you use and you get to pick from from four a tube sock with a 24 ounce bush beer in it <laughs> a uh a 17 of course anyone got a 17 uh c is a short stack of diggles pancakes with syrup or d all of the above i would throw diggles into the pack of squirrels and then I would yell for Louis Perez to help save me. And then I'd ask for a 17 and I'd fix my bike and haul ass out of there. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So weird and revered. He wants to know, what's your ideal path outside of BMX? Uh, I guess whatever would be the closest parallel to like what BMX is for me. You know, like, I don't know if it's art or maybe writing someday if it, if you know my life changes but mm-hmm. something creative and fulfilling on some level you know like keep it simple just try to enjoy my life and i'm not sure what that is mm-hmm. you know i think what i'm doing now you know exploring ideas of like art and different expression is like parallel with what fbm and bmx is to me sure so all right greg dixon he said Tell Steve I still owe him a coffee and I'm sorry about his car. Yeah, that asshole. Oh man. All right. Oh Greg, we're gonna <laughs> Greg, we're gonna be having a talk about this sometime. Definitely left my car at his house and he gave it back to me and the gas door flap thing was broken off and something else happened. He did something. He was like, What'd you do to my car, dude? Like rode it like drove it around like an asshole. Like it was a rental. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, let's see Scott Ackerman oh cool yeah um, wait a minute what is this alright so he, he says <laughs> he says I'm, I'm not sure this means, I'm sorry for stalling but it says you paint this interview question mark you make that is that you yeah. <laughs> That's like an inside joke I have. Oh, is it? Okay. I'll, I'll leave comments on people's Instagram. I'll be like, he'll post a, a painting that he did. I'll be like, oh, that's you right. He's that? an artist. I forgot. He's an amazing artist. Okay. All right. Or somebody will post a picture of them riding, and I'll be like, is that you? It's yeah, just yeah, a dumb yeah, yeah. inside joke. But I yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, I made this interview. Is this uh, the Scott? <laughs> that's funny. Is this the Scott that's in um, Kingston? Kingston. Yeah. Scott Ackerman. Yeah. I haven't met him yet, but I ride oh, the trails right awesome. down the road from their yeah, he lives parents' in a church house. Right over there. Yeah, yeah. Has an art art studio in it. Yeah. Amazing artist, you know, like what? Woodstock Film Festival. We did all the posters for that a few years ago. Like all kinds of cool shit in that region. Like oh, that's you'll awesome. see Scott's art in places and you'd be like, Oh, that's Scott Ackerman's art. That's so cool. Yeah, he's rad. I'm gonna known meet him, him for a really long time. I'm gonna meet him soon because I'm definitely gonna... a, a cool ass dude and Yeah. You know, another one of those situations where a young rider, you know, right. passed through like our world and was influenced by us, but then went on to become an influence to me, you know, like with yeah. his art and like his take on the world, you know, it's really cool. That's awesome. 
now I'm even more determined to uh, to stay late after work and go to those trails and, and hopefully meet up with Scott. Because um, if I remember correctly, he messaged me and said, "Hey, let me know when you're when you're down there." So I'll definitely make it a point. Element friend wants to know um, who's man's, and I'm gonna guess he's talking about Brooks. Maybe it just says who's man's M A N S. It's probably I don't know. It's uh, that's the, the the eternal question. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll just say the Leaper Bros. Okay. Um, all right. Spades and flats. Dude is the best. Speaking of you. No, he's he's talking about Danny Bailey in that photo. No. Yeah. He's fucking with us. Is he's, he? He's 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 pretending that you're interviewing Danny Bailey in his response to that post. Really? Yeah. Because Tommy T is always fucking with us. Well, he does say, Tommy, you have to, you have to have confidence, Double D. <laughs> God damn it, Tommy. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> right. Oh, man. All right, Paul Isbester. You know him? Paul Isbester. Yeah. Definitely. Paul Lee. An early influence as, like, you know, a super class racer in the upstate New York area. Yeah. He would come and ride the backyard track at my parents house when we were kids like he would come oh, all yeah. the way over from wherever the hell he lived near Albany Kinderhook where other was... side of the Kinderhook yes right, wherever right the hell area. he's from yeah I believe it was Kinderhook anyway it was a little ways out so he came a distance yeah. to come ride pretty cool yeah he's he was a great guy is a great guy yeah. I, I see him a lot now he, uh, he's on a mountain bike a lot and his kids are into it and it's it's cool and uh, he loves following the progression of FBM, Steve Crandall, and the Ithaca crew from the Ithaca newspaper interview after getting the grant for the screen uh, for the screen press to his awesome crowd raising documentary from crowd raising documentary. Sorry, uh, documentary from announcing through to your art. Crandall kills it. So he's more of a statement. Yeah, well, thanks, Paul. Um, it was, like I said, Paul was like, uh, you know, one of the riders we looked up to when we were teenagers, and we became friends with him, and then mm-hmm. we all kind of like went our separate ways and then reconnected with him a few years ago at the Wyndham UCI race. Oh, okay. There was a Red Bull Burn Burners yeah, yeah. pump track race, and I was the announcer, and he was there, and we hadn't been in touch in years and right. totally reconnected and awesome awesome another indicator of like you know you make a friend as bmxers and like you know a million years could go by but like you know yeah real friends you know it's like real cool thank you paul like awesome yeah he's he's a great guy and and i when i got back into it he was one of the first people i he's like a scientist with Yeah, yeah. He's like one of them dudes that's way too smart for his own good, but like too humble to let you let on. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's going to be Matt Coplin for me next next week when I do the interview. It's like I'm I'm gonna probably just stop the interview right <laughs> when we start because Matt's a mega nerd. Uh, he's and he, he's a goth. <laughs> and he's and he's got a uh, he's got a major in English, so it's uh, you know. Wait, man. Him and Paulie can maybe I'll. You know what? I'm gonna hand the microphone over to Paulie for that one. 
he can interview uh, Matt. All right, Mark Peacemaker, he wants to know, did you did you pee in George Washington's tub? No, but I got in George Washington's tub, which is in Berkeley Spr- Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. Okay. It's like a historical thing with like the uh, you know natural spring going through it. Okay. And I, as soon as I got into it, I immediately thought of the bazillion people just like me that definitely pissed in that thing. <laughs> But if you Google George Washington's bathtub, yeah. like a uh, picture of me, you know, in my skivvies sitting in that thing is like comes up on the internet. Are from, you serious? From the FBM website. Yeah. Oh, on the FBM website, okay. But yeah, so that's, that's and I great. I can't rule out peeing in it, but I don't specifically recall. Right. So I'm just gonna say yeah, I probably did. Well, with the <laughs> with the with the display of the size of your bladder tonight, I'm gonna oh, yeah, say I that you absolutely peed, peed in it. So uh, Matt. Uh, Matt Hovermail has a couple questions. He wants, well, comment first. Huge inspiration since I bought my first BMX video, Road Fools One. Uh, can you talk with? Can you talk what it's like to travel across the world announcing major contest one week to camping behind a building? riding with average dudes at their DIY spots while carrying the same level of stoke. We kind of talked about that earlier. Yeah. And, and, um, and you can you can add to it if you want. We kind of, Well, specifically, it's pretty funny because him and Mark Peacemaker, I met them both independently, but in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, which is a nowhere town, like, mm-hmm. west of D.C. Like, you kind of hit it on the way to Pittsburgh. Okay. And, um, yeah, we just pulled over one night because it was too late to keep driving home. Right. And we just parked behind this like abandoned mill or something, and it was me and the Leaper Rose or Dylan and Holiday. Uh-huh. I forget who else was with us, but uh, you know that they saw on Instagram that we were there, and Matt came and found us, and we became friends. And then nice, they had so the it's a very very small town, and mm-hmm. the city had started a skate park, and they had no more budget to keep it going. So these dudes took it upon themselves to you know make it a sustainable shared skate park for sure. the, for the community for their for themselves mm-hmm. and it was like you know they were like hey you want to come check out our spot and we're like yeah we'll come check it out and like uh-huh. you know like he, like this is literally like that night like he like they found the bus and they're like hey dudes and we're like oh cool hey good to meet you and then the next day we go ride their spot mm-hmm. and it's like you know it's modest right but it's like they made it and they kept it going and they didn't have any city you know support or anything sure and they're like yeah we were like inspired by like what you guys do with fbm we wanted to like make the spot grow and like some of the ramps were shitty some of them were cool Mm -hmm. it was total like like what i've been saying like making do with what you got and they were building their own fun and i was like so moved that they had taken some of our influence and gone their own way with it and made their own spot to share with other people and like that was cool like Damn. that was a very so that might answer part of that question like those dudes are just as important and value as just as important and as valuable as the big name pros at the biggest events like they're providing the total flip side of stokage Mm-hmm. in their own community whereas like you know some of the big names at these big events are doing something to a bigger audience sure. but they're just as important right you know and that's pretty cool to like 
see both sides of the coin and you know damn that's awesome that is really awesome oh it's caterpillar this will go <laughs> Uh, we are in full nature, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so Thomas Borman, for once, I'm going to say this isn't the Thomas that you uh, share the property of. No. Um, because I, I last podcast. Uh, so Thomas last I podcast. hung out with in Australia at the Vans Pro Cup in Sydney a few weeks ago. Got it. So if I'm not mistaken, this is Thomas, who's also part of Hell on Wheels shop in Sydney? I think so. I think so in... For some reason, I kept thinking it was... I just saw Thomas. For some reason, I thought it was this Thomas um, that I met at the wheel mill. But anyway, so Thomas Borman from Australia. He wants to know, through all of your years in BMX and all the crazy and difficult times in life and business, your positive attitude for good times is nothing short of incredible. What exactly is your secret? If more people shared your positivity, the world would be so much more amazing. So, I, I, you know, we talked a lot about it. Uh, you can add whatever yeah, you I, like. Yeah, I think I touched on some of that. Like, um, for one, it's it's meeting people like Thomas mm -hmm. out in the wild and sharing this experience, like this whole experiment with everybody, mm -hmm. and seeing some of the cool shit that we do and we've shared with people come back to us on whatever level mm -hmm. is part of, like, my attitude and my motivation and all that stuff so so thank you for the very generous and kind words but that's exactly it yeah that whole sentiment is part of the fuel for this whole machine you know sure. it's like there's a pattern here you can hear it <laughs> with these with these statements about you i mean look at that paulie matt uh mark thomas this, those, those are four guys right in a row, man. <laughs> well, that's it's very, like I said, it's very generous because I am not without my faults. Uh, who is? Well, I actually, I take that back. I am perfect. Uh, and you, the you, most handsome dude in BMX. I was just going to say, you look it right now. You look, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it's the Christmas tree lighting that you've hanging here or what, but you look it's great. The campfire. You look, you it's look the ambiance of the campfire. Yeah, yeah, in, in the piss bucket in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in the tiny bladder. I mean, but yeah, you're looking uh, radiant tonight. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, Ron Lesniewski, I believe it is. I've I've met Ron. He's a really cool guy. He was at the he was at the second jam. Yeah. Um, why do you like to do road trips in the summer with the heat blasting? So there's a story with that. When we showed up at the Shoreham Jam, the I guess it was the second event fundraiser that you did. Yeah, I think it was the, was, the Miracle Jam you know, for, for Stephen Murray. Okay, I forget which... Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So we're on an FBM trip, and the last stop of the trip is to go to that event that you're doing, the fundraiser mm -hmm. in Shoreham. And we are coming from Pennsylvania. Rich Bartlett was with us, the FBM team. Yeah. You know, Seamus, Garrett Ginch, the whole crew. Right. Um dead of summer heat new york city yeah lean over to pay the toll and on the side console of the bus are the heat and the defroster and it's like you know entering the hectic hustle bustle of the big apple right in a big black school bus right filled with lunatics that are drinking beer smoking weed oh, none of them have any shirts on 
Rich Bartlett's drinking two coffees. Like, um, somebody's yeah. arguing about, like, who knows what. Right. And I accidentally, while paying the toll, which was 60 goddamn dollars. Oh, to get a bus over that yeah, bridge? Yeah, about lost. And we're lucky. I was probably asking everybody for money because I didn't have enough to cover the toll. God. And uh, I turned on the heat and the defroster. Yeah. And we're in traffic, and I'm like, we get somewhere to, we, we got somewhere, like, out kind of, I think we were heading to Superflies. We yeah, yeah. camped out at his place that night. Well, because you rode Kiko that day. Yeah, so we went to Kiko. Yeah. They had a little party there. Right. Chilled I'm... with all the locals. It was awesome. Yeah, that, but, was, that was a good day. But I'm, like, driving, and I'm like, I'm like, give me water. Like, I'm dumping water over my head. It's uh. so hot. Like, it's hot, and the, the, the bus creates, it generates a lot of heat, you know? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's definitely, you know, it's, a, it's an old vehicle, you know? Right. It's like, the amenities are different than a regular luxury automobile. <laughs> sure. And um, I'm like, why is it so goddamn hot? We stopped to get diesel, and I'm like, I realize, I think maybe Rich Bartlett realized that like all the heat and defrosters were on, and they oh were just blasting. <laughs> so it was like 120 degrees up in the cockpit of the bus, oh and I'm just like, I'm so stressed and just exhausted and wound up, and like, yeah. you know, pissed off about tolls. You know, just like, and driving <laughs> driving the bus is like, you yeah. know. It, it, it's not easy you know no. you got a lot of responsibility sure it's a crazy you know it's not a honda civic no you know and you're driving through new york city which is also you know a task in and of itself so right. yeah yeah Tra- always on the road trips and like accidentally turn the heat on in the hottest day of the year <laughs> thanks ron it shout was. out to ron though yeah we met ron and jay rodriguez and that crew me, Tag, and Gilly, one of our first road trips, we were camping out at Posh, the first Posh. Uh-huh. And those dudes just happened to be also camping there. And we were like, had a little campfire going and we were cooking hot dogs. And then we like met them at a camp out before a jam at Posh. Oh, nice. In like the early 90s. Oh, Another nice. dude met a million lifetimes ago and have managed to, you know, stay friends with, you know, through all our different paths in, in, right. in life, you know. But because of BMX, we've managed to be, you know, lifelong friends. Like, who'd yeah. have guessed? Right. You know, those dudes from, 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 like, Long Island and New York City, and we're yeah. in some woods in Pennsylvania, and, like, right. you know, the story right. keeps going. That's BMX right there. Uh, Ray Reeves, super rad guy from Long Island, he says, his son Keani says, please produce 14-inch bikes, frame and fork. Frame and fork, I should say. FBM is the best exclamation point. All right, no promises, but I'll talk to John Lee. We'll see if we can make it happen. All right. I think Ray <laughs> would do it. I think Ray would do it. Hopefully, he I doesn't. think I think his son, I, the kid's killing it. I think he could be on a 16. That's my opinion, but um the kid's fearless. He's doing he's doing awesome. He's, awesome. he's just like his dad, who's a very good dad, by the way. One of the best dads I've seen. So, the real Mike Rotundo, he wants to know, you ever sit back and feel feel good or give yourself credit for scenes and vibes you've created? Here's just another one, man. You want me to stack these up and hand no, them to no. you like we're at the well, gr- graduation well, ceremony? I, I totally appreciate all the positive and supportive things that all these people have to say, and a lot of them are my old friends, so it's like, it's not without, it's like, you know, sure. background stories to go with it. Mike, another dude I met at a trail jam mm-hmm. in Natick, Massachusetts at some trails called Pigpen uh-huh. in about 92 or 93. Been friends with him ever since. 
that um, long ago. And that was the same. We- that was the same weekend we met Kevin Robinson. Uh-huh. And later that night, we were at a Dunkin' Donuts in Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh-huh. and we watched Kevin Robinson get in a fight with a dude that pulled a knife out, and he high kicked the guy right in the face. And the cops came and all this shit, and like the cops were like, "All right, you guys go your this way, you go that way." But um, wow, yeah. So a lot of history on the East Coast with like all different scenes. Oh my gosh. So wow. yeah, I get I digress, but uh, no, that's okay. Nothing that I've done, I did by myself. So mm-hmm. I, I'll take the compliment. But we've all done this together, like every one of us. And like Mike was a part of it on some level at some point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, you with what you do and what you've done, and everybody in between here and there. Like, I'm just a part of it. I hear you. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it. And if, if if sometimes I gotta like throw a little hustle out there to remind people to like chill out and have fun and like yeah. just enjoy the ride, then you know I'll put a. You know, board on top of a brick in a parking lot, so and so, wherever USA. <laughs> That's right. Um, let's see. Rick Mac ninety seven agrees with Mike. By the way, awesome. and and by the way, he continues to talk about how how awesome you are. Rick Rick McDonald is one of the dudes that gets one of the few dudes that gets my obscure references and like Minutemen. Um, all my all the my weird punk rock references mm-hmm. from like music. He he always gets it. Like no matter yeah. how obscure it is, him yeah. or Scott Town or Matt Copeland will get the reference or the inside joke or what I'm alluding to or what like song lyrics I've plagiarized for my own my own benefit on social media. Oh man. I try to put everything I, in quotations I, though. I, I'm not I, trying to take credit for anyone else's I, I'm bringing two phones. Uh, to the Matt Copeland interview because <laughs> I'm going to be phoning a friend and it's going to be you the whole time I'm talking with him. This guy's really going to put me to the test, I'm afraid. Um, not that I told him I'm anything but myself, believe me. But uh, anyway, Jack Shore wants to know the ideal place to ride and with who. Um, Do you have a favorite spot to ride? I like to ride my local spots with my friends. As corny as that sounds, like... You know, if I could go back in time, it'd mm-hmm. be different places, but that's not real. But, you know, just my local spots with the, the people I like riding with, my buds, you know, it's simple as that. Man, I've said it, I've said it earlier and I'll say it again. It's, uh, I witnessed it today. It's, it, you've got a good crew around here. Yeah, you know, like, put yourself around the right people, then, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of good shit in there. Yeah. And you got a lot of spots. Yeah, Richmond's a cool city, man. Don't tell it everyone is. that. We don't want everyone showing up here and blowing them up. No, exactly. It'll be <laughs> I'm next just Austin. Kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's um, we're both kidding. We're it's it's very cool that there's like a uh, a go-getter attitude with the people that we hang out with. You know, mm-hmm. like with building spots, maintaining spots, like right. You know, creating you know fun stuff to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's contagious. So right, right. Good or bad, like positivity or negative negativity can be contagious so we just try to keep it as positive as we can right thankfully um justin cummings from pittsburgh i'm sure you know him another one of the transient kids that would spend weeks at a time at our house in indiana with crown chuck and those guys oh i didn't know that yeah oh justin wow and his brother steve cummings oh man did you hear how amazing steve cummings is on road bikes yeah now? yeah he's a very like a Pittsburgh legend. Yes. Like those, those races that they have there. Yeah. Cool. I I did not know they that. They were the shittiest kids back in the day. 
They're good now. Yeah, you know now, that? They're, now they're respectable grown-ups. Yeah, Justin's Justin's found his way, and he's he's a great father to two kids, and it's he's he's a good dude. Um, he wants to know where is the experiment, and what was it made of, and where has it? Right, this ha- little, has it lived? This is a little complicated. Okay. But when we left Ithaca, mm-hmm. we had a gallon jar filled with the most disgusting things that your imagination will allow (laughs) and the whole point of this experiment was to try to gross people out and we would pull it out at parties and we would dare people to smell it and then they would puke and if you can think of the most disgusting thing that your imagination will allow there's a good chance it was in there it included various like Stuff that might come out of someone's body. Oh my god. Uh, there was a dead bat. I think there might have been like a tumor that was removed off of like uh, the a basset hound forehead <laughs> that like we got from a veterinarian. All this really awful, gross shit. And uh, we had it for years and years and years. And it had kind of like taken on its own legend. And then up until wow. up until FBM burnt down in 2000 or 2001, we had it with us. Mm-hmm. And then we were moving out of the house, and uh, I think Kelly accidentally threw it away because it was wrapped in, like, egg crate foam. Yeah. And in a five-gallon bucket because if it would have broke, it was disgusting. Like, this thing was so gnarly, and I think it was just our, our like you know our own like imaginations running wild right and anytime we opened it it was like once a month like it was it was a very Gosh. special occasion it was really gross <laughs> but like i swear occasion. like like the the chemical reaction that that thing had with its environment it would always change the sky at night to a weird color like i'm sure it was like the the, the city lights would just be like a little like you know but it, i i always yeah. remember it being like orange bright night right. light when right. we did that and it was probably just like a full moon and right. like cloudy or something but yeah but yeah the experiment lasted until about 2000 accidentally got thrown away and it was really gross oh my god and it would make people puke <laughs> thank you justin uh let's see up and at them wants to know all right he wants to know BMX has taken you on a hell of a journey while your while your contributions back to BMX have done the same for many people over the years. Do you try to control and influence where BMX takes you these days or are you along for the ride? I guess that one would be like a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. You know, like I try not to like force too much in my life, mm-hmm. but I don't want to just be a passenger for whatever's happening. So so a little of both, I guess, would be the way I would answer that. You know, I'm definitely trying to, like, I'm intentional about how I do my life nowadays. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in the old days, it was just like, let's just see what happens. Right. But now it's like, okay, I want to ride. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. Like, I want to see that. I want to see, you know, this person that's here on this trip. And, like, mm-hmm. so So I don't know exactly how to answer it, but it's, I guess, yeah. it's a little of all the above. And it's, right. you and, know, and, who knows what's going to happen now. But I definitely... I'm more mindful about like how I'm going about doing things these days, you know, like. So it's almost like a soft influence because he talks about or he asks about uh, about trying to control an influence. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't know if it's like some sort of like. It's like everything. 
was unintentional and mm -hmm. very organic, mm -hmm. but the clock is ticking. You don't have forever to ride your bike. You, mm -hmm. Eventually, something will change your body, your life. You won't be able to ride the same way right. your whole life. And uh, I'm mindful of that nowadays. So, like, right. all the above, I guess, is the best way, you know. Each each situation is different, you know. Every uh -huh. trip is different. Sure. Every experience is completely unique. So, right. it might be the seem like the same thing over and over again but entirely different circumstances i got you oh, let's see i'm gonna sorry buddy but i'm gonna skip the last part of this one uh let's see Jarrett bellamy your thoughts on bmx and freestyle on bmx freestyle i'm sorry and racing in the olympics so both both disciplines in the olympics um, not to go too far down that rabbit hole because yeah, that can go crazy i think for me personally, the Olympics don't really affect too much of my day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. I try not to be someone that is going to tell anybody else what they should be doing. Sure. I think BMX is so valuable to so many people that I hope that it doesn't get exploited or portrayed in a negative light or in a light that's not accurate and doesn't depict BMX for as special and unique as it is. Um, if it creates opportunities for BMX people to do cool shit, then awesome. Um, not really my place to say whether what should or shouldn't be happening in BMX. Sure. It's not going to affect my laps at the pump track that we had tonight. Right. It's not going to affect the ramp that I build out of pallets someday. Yeah. But maybe this fall we'll have an unsanctioned Olympic qualifier. <laughs> Don't rule that out. Okay. All right. So, uh, not Corey Nastasio, it's Cookie Nastasio. Oh, what's up, Cookie? What's up, Cookie? What's up? Uh, where do you see the future? Uh, where do you see the future of BMX frames as far as design? Uh, I think there's going to be two triangles, a front triangle and a rear triangle, <laughs> a couple of wheels. We're working with our research and development department right now on reinventing the wheel. Um, I'm going to do a little research and get back to you on that one. All right. And plus, you don't want to let all the secrets out of yeah. the bag anyway, right? Um, so if you could, I, I believe you already answered this. If you could ride one place for the rest of your life, where would it be? Wherever. Did we talk about that? Yeah. I don't think I, I would. I, don't, I wouldn't want to ride just one place for the rest of my life. Nah. But my local spots. Right. Brett Downs. Awesome guy. Been in the been in the game for a long, long time. Did a backflip on his 50th birthday at FDR. Cool ass dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Got me a really cool book for my birthday this year, the Glenn Friedman book. Oh yeah. Yeah, photo book of all like the punk rock and like early Public Enemy album covers that he shot. Oh, can I yeah. borrow that so I could study it before Matt Copeland? Yeah, it's cool. Copeland. All right, good, because that may help me identify with him <laughs> a little more. I'm sweating this interview. <laughs> sweating it. Um, when I think of Steve, when I think of a Steve Crandall question, the one and only, I, oh, I'm sorry. The one and only I can think of is why not? That's, that's BMX in a nutshell, you know? Like, yeah. Why not, dude? That's right. Brett's a very cool, wise, experienced, and thoughtful person. It's, I'm, I'm glad to say Brett's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Brett. He, he certainly is. He's a total 
BMX nerd too. Oh yeah, absolutely. He knows his and BMX. And I say history. that with the utmost respect. Yep. Oh, this is funny. This is from uh, Scott Arcabascio, I think it is. He says, "Why is everyone? This just happened today. Why is everyone named Billy in Richmond?" Because Bert is insane, and he just calls people Billy regardless of their names, and he's so weirdly charismatic. I met Crazy Bert today, right? Yeah, that was okay. the tall guy that was drinking in the middle yeah. of the day. Right. Yeah, because Bert's crazy, and that's all there is to it. Oh God! So everyone's Billy because of Bert. All right. So Rye Short, he wants to know: Have you seen a better turndown on dirt? Than the maniac. Now the maniac. At first, I thought he was uh, talking Clint, but Clint's from New Hampshire. Yeah. So, so who Derek is Gerard, Stoddiler oh. is the maniac. Oh, okay. Um, I should know. That. Yeah, I think uh, you know everyone gives Chris Doyle the crown for best turndown. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Rich has a killer 360 turndown, but my all-time favorite goes to Gilly Smalls. Jeremy Rice grew up riding with him. He's like six foot fifty, right? Like huge. Always rode a big bike. Yeah. Turned down smooth as the day is long. You know, like Gilly takes the title. But I might be biased. Yeah. But I won't rule out Doyle, and... Joe Rich, right, or Derek Gerard, right. But Derek Gerard might do one with the bars backward, which is. I was odd. just going to say, Derek Gerard has the backward bars thing that he could probably, he could probably catch bars backwards and then do a turn down with backwards bars. Yeah. So, I'm gonna have to ask him about that. I won't take nothing away from Derek Gerard, but I'll give the give the title to Gilly. <laughs> okay. All right. Woodshop BMX. They want to know uh, why did you make me? Why did you make me climb the basketball hoop? Oh man! So that's Cameron Wood. Oh okay. He's, he rode for us back in like the the same time frame as Tony Hamlin, Tony Cardona. Oh okay. So we were on a road trip for props one year. It was like. By the way, he wants to know if you knew it would break on him. He anyway. climbed. We, Kelly, me and Kelly got him to climb up this on, a, on an FBM trip. I think Derek Gerard was on the trip. Fisher, yeah. I think Chunk was on it. I think Aaron Ross was on it. Uh huh. Bunch of like classic FBM names. Yeah. And he, we got him to climb up. To, we were like, oh, I bet you you can't climb through that basketball hoop just a dumb dare you know yeah and he got up in it and the whole thing just broke off and he was like oh, dangling no. like half his body like you know his legs and his head like through it with his ass hanging out the bottom of it like so yeah that didn't necessarily go as planned but it couldn't have gotten any better oh my god what's up cam <laughs> all right this is mark peacemaker again best place for tacos on the east coast Ooh. There's a taco truck leaving the trails next to a gas station in a like a parking lot. And this old Mexican woman who works seven days a week is the nicest lady I've ever met, except for my mom. <laughs> she like gives like it was cold when the first time we went there it was so cold we and it was like outdoor seating at this taco. This truck. in Richmond? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll we'll have to. Eh, she, yeah, she'll be there tomorrow. We should check it out. Okay. But it's just this taco truck on the side of the road in Richmond off Main Street. Yeah. And it was the first time I went there. It was super cold, and we're eating outside, and she just brought us soup, like hot really? soup. Like she's like, here, you eat this. I was like, is she year round with this? I think so. But yeah, yeah best tacos right anyway, there. If not for the quality of the food, for the atmosphere. Right. And the hard work. Down home. Yep. Uh, who would win in an arm in an arm wrestling match uh, 
And it says fourth grade or Kelly Baker? Kelly Baker. Who's fourth grade? Fourth grade is a dude from Youngstown who actually ran over Kelly Baker while Kelly was asleep in his car one night in the Potosny's parents' driveway. And then in the midst of all this like chaos, Kelly is all fired up. And then this dude, English Pete, from the other side of the yard, and this is like way like late at night, you'd love to run over a legend, wouldn't you? And like the whole rest of the weekend, fourth grade was like, man, he's going to kill me. And like, but yeah, another story. Oh my God. Was this at a welcome jam? Yeah. Oh a long time God. ago. What the, I don't know what Kelly was sleeping in the driveway for. <laughs> and like, I'm sure fourth grade had no business driving. God. Well, hey, Garrett told me that they slept on train tracks oh. somewhere in, in Europe. I, I thought that was the craziest thing. He's like, no, I wasn't worried about it because we'd, we'd hear the train. We'd wake up. Unbelievable. And I was like, <laughs> I was like man, that's a lot of faith. But he said it was safer than where the park car would have, where the car was parked on the side of the road. So anyway, peanut peanut sized bladder. No, I'm gonna check the fire. Oh, okay. That's okay because Ryan Corrigan's questions are coming up next. Oh, great. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Uh, but I have to guess Ryan's questions. You gonna guess Ryan's questions? Yeah. Okay. You want to guess your first one? Can I get a bite of that? And uh, the question is like, how low of an angle can you get when you're taking a photo of yourself? Well, how yeah. How close am I? You got one of them. All right. How do you get the camera so low to make it look like you are above the coping? I tell him I learned that trick from him. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then uh, he... I'll answer that question when I get over there. All right. It's a long walk from the porta potty over to, to here. Do you want to ask the question the, again? The outdoor urinal. Sure. Question was, how do you get the camera so low to make it look like you're going above the coping? I had to get the camera angle low enough to match my self-esteem for how you've treated me as a friend all these years. And thank you for being so supportive and positive and such a just a a beacon of you know positive reinforcement in my life killing you with kindness ryan killing you all right so his other question is hey you see <laughs> no i can't even i can't do it i can't all right uh here's another one from him. how is the steel import tax going to affect fbm and american manufacturing in general so he he starts to turn it up a little bit. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with like the whole onset of like tariffs in the trade war. Right. But already there is an increase in materials and suppliers are telling people that are their customers to start bidding your jobs higher because costs are going to go up. Mm-hmm. So, and I think he sees that in some of the jobs that he does with building ramps and, you mm-hmm. know, buying coping and building flat rails and you know whatever mm-hmm. gigs that he's doing uh just a quick backstory ryan corrigan another wildly talented and motivated individual that's passed through like the history of fbm mm-hmm. um has built most of the coolest ramps you've ever seen in bmx skate really? parks x games mm-hmm. a loop made out of pallets at the ghetto jam so a lot of credit where credit is due with ryan for mm-hmm. how much of 
for how much he mistreats me as a friend, he's also one of the hardest working, most talented, and also caring and generous people there is. Um, but yeah, I think that I don't think that the current political landscape is going to help small companies like FBM. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll leave it at that. Right. We're seeing it at work. I mean, if there isn't a single thing we sell that hasn't already gone up yeah. uh, double digits. So um, we're seeing it big time. So anything from from uh, boilers to water heaters to oil tanks to, it, and of course. Yeah, bikes are made out of aluminum that. and steel, so. Right. You do the math. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah. It's gonna. It's. It could hurt. Maybe. I don't know. Alan Shirley. Did the switch to smaller bottom brackets and internal headsets affect FBM? Yes, it did. Um, we did not invent any of these innovations, mm-hmm. but we definitely were early with the onset of putting mid bottom brackets and integrated headsets into production. We were. Uh, a small enough, forward-thinking enough bike company to go with that very uh, early on in the game. Right. And I think that was crucial in us becoming a prime mover in the bicycle manufacturing world in BMX. Like, that era, and like, I don't know if you want to say lightning struck for us on that that kind of stuff, but like, we were one of the first people to first companies to put mid bottom brackets on production bikes and uh mm-hmm. you know people were experimenting with spanish bottom brackets and euro bottom brackets and you know people were learning that american bottom brackets were be- becoming obsolete and mm-hmm. we were making our own bikes and we we're like well this makes sense let's do this you know everyone's got profile bearings in some aluminum cups in their toolbox so you know there's won't have trouble finding these bearings it's like Right. Let's let's give it a shot, and uh, so I think that helped put us on the map as like a credible and legitimate quality bicycle manufacturer in BMX. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was like a that was a pivotal moment for us in BMX. Mm. Enable to react. Enabled yeah. To... It's cool. Yeah. He also asks, what are some of the difficulties with making American bikes in house? Um, it's time consuming. It's expensive, and. It's harder to make money in small volume than it is to do mass production overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I guess we're making bikes. We're not trying to make a killing. You know, we're trying to make a living. Uh, what's your opinion on... Well, first of all, are, are all the parts that you sell through Last Call uh, domestically made? No. You know, we can't make grips or seats in Oh, America. I forgot about the rubber products. You know, right. like, um, yeah. you know, we bring in some of the products, and we only make what we can actually make in-house. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we'll outsource some stuff to, like, you know, other dudes that have shops, you know, like, make mm-hmm. some sprockets for us or some stems or sure. what have you, you know. But, like, you know, we're not a, we're not a big, well-funded company, so, you right. know. You know, we make the frames and the forks and some of the bars in, in-house and mm-hmm. some of the other stuff we outsource. So, You do make handlebars in, in-house? We make the, the black flag bars in-house. Oh, okay. You know, but we don't have a CNC bender to make two-piece bars. 
Are those like four-piece bars? The, those are, yeah, the, the black ones that you make in-house? Yeah, they're four-piece bars. Yeah. Okay, got it. Because there's only one bend in a four-piece bar. Yeah, right. But on a two-piece bar, it's got like multiple bends. And to do that, right. you need expensive equipment. Tubing benders. Yeah, and... you need CNC bender, which is expensive. Oh, well, wow. Moeller has one, but... Yeah, you know he's in a, you know he he's in a whole different gig than us. Yeah, know? right. More established and has a, a bigger operation. Is he? Uh, not to get and talking about other brands on your podcast, but um, is he one of the only ones that's that's fully well not on the metal side, metal product side? Is he one of the only ones that makes everything domestically? He does all the above. You know, like the fit stuff. A lot of that's made overseas. And, uh, but I, I can't really speak to like what he makes and what he does. Sure. Uh, I haven't been out there in a few years. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of stuff in house and kudos to him for being able to do that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I was just, uh, curious because I know it's not an easy deal. And, um, yeah, he's got a pretty big operation, you know, the, the full line of fit completes. Right. And then S and M on the flip side of all that. So sure. he's got a lot of things going on, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I can't speak to what he's got going on, you know. Sure, sure. But more power to him for like, you know. But I'm sure it's not an easy road either way you no, cut it. No, no. Anyone making shit in America is like, it's they got their work cut out for them. Right. Uh, Bobby Proctor wants to know if he can have a new bike. He's gonna have to earn it. All right, there, <laughs> there you go. Maybe you should spend more time with. He works at a pizza shop though, so the, his prospects it's, are good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I've seen the. Uh, I've seen the Instagram post of the pizza. A little far to drive for a pizza, but <laughs> maybe it'll deliver. So, uh, Steve, we're at the end. Cool. So, anything you want to say? First of all, remind me, what's coming up next for for you? Uh, the Vans Regional Qualifier at Woodward in a couple weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's in between now and the next thing, but July 21st, FBM Open House. Right. Um, FBM crew will be at the Find Your Fight Jam yeah, in that's Powder right. Ridge in Connecticut, hosted by yours truly, Joe Doherty. That's right. Brom Dad, 15 yeah. billion. <laughs> that's um, right. I'm not even a, a dad of a Grom anymore, but. <laughs> um, kid, those those, those are the next. Grom. That's what's coming down the pipe next. Mm hmm. Um, this fall, we're going to do 25 years of FBM celebration and uh, kind of figuring it all out as it happens, you know. It's been a it's been a tough year, like, for us, so, like, you know, I wasn't sure we'd have a 25-year celebration. Right. But, um, right. you know, like, through tenacity and some good fortune mm-hmm. on the flip side of being, like, completely strapped for cash. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we're still we're still moving right along, you know, like that Muppet song. Yeah. Um Yeah, you know, just just keep keep at it, you know, just keep trying to do cool stuff and right. you know, do what we can with what we have. Do, what do you think? just put our put our best foot forward and mm-hmm. you know, like I said earlier, you know, like individually, you know, there's you know, a lot of things that could, could hold us back, but like when we work together with the right people, like anything is possible. So who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Right. Um, like I said, also, you know, like the reality is, it's like changing times. It's making it harder and harder mm-hmm. for us to to make bikes and to stay in business. And 
to have gas money to get to spots and host jams and do cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, with the support of people in our community, we're going to keep doing as much as we can, as long as we can, the best we can. Sure. And, you know, that's that's where we're at. We're all in this together. A little late to bring this up, but product-wise, product, product wise, uh, you've been on the on the or in the commuter bike uh game for how long now with the with we've the, been making the, the sword, sword. The single speed we've, been, we've had that out for probably 10 years oh it's been that long but it's been kind of like off and on uh-huh it's a very very small part of what we do now but we've uh and that's a fixed gear it's single speed or fixed gear however right. you want to run yeah, it yeah um, i, I have mine you. set up as a single speed mm-hmm. um but I, we also recently introduced, in a collaboration with Endpoint Bicycles, mm-hmm. um, the the Hunter Gatherer, yeah, right. which is a touring bike that they helped us design and we manufactured, mm-hmm. and uh, 650B touring bike, very very cool. Still learning about it, mm-hmm. but I've been getting in some rides. You know, my daily coffee routine. You know, get a few miles in every morning. Uh, yeah. Done a few like longer rides with some of my buddies down the James River, like, mm-hmm. you know exploring new ideas with different bikes right um, all bikes all the time right <laughs> right i i think it's pretty cool i think it's exciting stuff that you're into that you're into some other areas and i think your custom end as bmx has kind of evolved and let's say the the bmxer has evolved into a longer term rider i think uh I think the the custom bike market is is definitely one that you guys are good at, and I I hope you do well at it. I'm certainly happy with mine. I hope more more people continue to log on to fbmbmx.com. <laughs> Check out our stuff. That's We're gonna right. make you a bike. You're gonna love it. If not, I'll buy you a slice of pizza <laughs> from from Bobby Proctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's um. Everything we've done has is been with the best intent. We haven't always done everything that, you know, not everything has always turned out, you know, perfect. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a lot to be thankful for. A lot of people have supported our cause and mm-hmm. me personally, and I can't be, I can't show my gratitude enough for how much I appreciate everybody over the years. Like right now, even just tonight, sitting down to have this podcast. You know, you taking the time to come down here and talk to me and also go riding today and, you know, allow me to share a little bit of my world with you and with your listeners. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody. It's, uh, I'm, you know, just a regular guy just trying to have fun every day. And I hope I hope that we all get to do this as long as we can. Absolutely. And uh, that's about all I got. I've loved it, man. You've shown me your area as you said and i've i've enjoyed today i've enjoyed this trip so much and i'm i'm beyond thankful that i took the trip and uh i'll do it again because this you're you're you're, gonna come down here we're gonna leave the the podcast recording devices somewhere and we're just going riding no cameras no instagram we had well we had cameras and instagram today we we were exploiting our own our own riding session for our well because because we're fucking rad. I mean, yeah, we were getting. You know, it. we were. The yeah. Can Can X up today was on point. <laughs> Everyone was stoked. Thank you for coming and riding, and, and thank you for doing this podcast, and, and thank you can. for making the effort <laughs> to share so much with so many people in your way. Mm-hmm. And 
put a spotlight on all the cool, unique characters that make BMX so important. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome, and I love doing it. So uh, it's not going to stop. Get lots of positive feedback, and as long as people are, as long as people are into it, and people are getting something from it, most importantly, I'm on it. I'm, I'm on it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep it going, just like you. That's a wrap. Just like you. Keep it going. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. Damn, that was a long one, huh? Uh, that's what you think. <laughs> How long was that?